0: All right, we're going to bring this meeting back to order.
1: Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our website at qac.org slash live or on our television channel BreezeLine Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. <laughs> Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting by going to qac.org slash public comment. Citizens may also email comments to public comment at qac.org. Comments received will be reviewed during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge your participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to 3 minutes per person. If you do care to speak, please sign the information sheet in the, on the uh, table out in the lobby. Comments longer than 3 minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the pledge of allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge of
2: Allegiance to the flag
0: of the United States of America,
3: and to the republic for which it stands,
0: one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If you can remain standing for a moment of silence for the the loss of Dave Olds, the County Commissioner. Thank you very much.
1: All right, commissioners, our agenda for today's meeting, January 24th, along with the regular and closed session minutes from your January 10th meeting, they've all been circulated for review. Do we have any additions and or corrections? Yes,
3: a motion to uh, include four additional uh, desktop items to today's agenda. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion to accept the agenda as amended and the minutes as presented. Second. All those in
1: favor? Aye. Aye. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Okay, we just held a closed session under the General Provisions Article Section 3305 B one to discuss to discuss boards and commissions. And I believe we have an appointment to, yep. to make uh,
4: I move to reappoint Nicole Chase Powell, Jenny Crosley, and Joan Taylor to the Council for Children and Youth. These terms will begin on January first of twenty twenty three and expire on December thirty first of twenty twenty five.
0: Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye.
5: Aye.
1: aye. Opposed? So moved. Right. Thank you, commissioners. That brings us to our first uh, press and public comment section. So thanks for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. Comments longer than three minutes may be submitted in writing. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. When you come forward please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address and topic of interest and in keeping with the dignity of our office we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. Okay Margie's getting a list. If you're here to testify about
0: uh, the hearing for the armor storage if you could wait till the hearing which will be right after press and public comment, if not?
6: No one
0: sign up. No one to sign up, so would anybody like to speak on any other subject besides armor storage? Seeing none, we'll close press and public comment.
1: All right, thank you, commissioners. So we have our first public hearing is for um, public facilities bond authorization, uh, ordinance 2301, and that's scheduled for 540. So we're a little ahead of schedule. Action. Would you like to cover come some action. action items? Yep. All right. If you want to turn to tab number three, action item one, on page one, is Proclamation 23-02, Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Okay. okay. Uh, Commissioner Wilson, thank you.
3: Proclamation 2302, whereas human trafficking is a serious problem on the Eastern Shore where traffickers use violence, threats, deception, and other manipulative tactics to force and coerce young and adult individuals to engage in commercial sex acts or to provide labor or services against their will. And Whereas between June 2013 and May 2020, there were reports of child sex trafficking in every Eastern Shore County and since 2017 throughout Maryland, 127 human trafficking victims have been rescued. And whereas human trafficking is the second highest criminal enterprise in the United States, grossing $9.5 billion every year, the increased use of drugs, focus on social media, changes brought by COVID-19 have increased the level of human trafficking. The Eastern Shore Human Trafficking Task Force is engaged in anti-human trafficking actions by encouraging and promoting awareness and prevention of human trafficking. And whereas January across the nation is Human Trafficking Prevention Month, which formally recognizes that human trafficking consistently occurs in the United States and emphasizes the need for the public and private sectors to come together to focus on prevention, prosecution, partnerships, and support for survivors. And now, therefore, be it resolved that the Board of County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, Maryland, hereby recognize January as Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Thank you.
4: We have a
1: proclamation that we signed and will be sending out to them. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, Moving along, um, also tab three, item two on page two is Proclamation 2303 for National Mentoring Month.
4: Um,
1: Proclamation 2303, whereas January 2023
4: will mark the 21st anniversary of the National Mentoring Month, an annual campaign to focus the attention on the need for mentors. Whereas Queen Anne's County honors volunteer mentors who support young people by showing up for them every day and demonstrating their commitment to helping them thrive. And whereas mentoring has proven to be an effective strategy to increase the life opportunities of all young people. And whereas quality mentoring promotes healthy relationships, (laughs) communication, positive self-esteem, emotional well-being, and growth of young persons and their relationships with others. And whereas with support of the county state business community leaders, the Maryland mentor has helped establish mentorship with young, with youth across the country, the county and state providing young people with opportunities to succeed. And now therefore we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County do hereby support the the nation in proclaiming January, 2023 as national mentoring month in Queen Anne's County and recognizes the Acknowledgement and the importance of mentoring programs signed by your county
0: commissioners. Thank you, Commissioner.
7: All
1: right, thank you, Commissioners. Uh, item number three on pages three through five is a request from the Kent Island High School band boosters seeking us uh, requesting funds to be reimbursed to them in the amount of $1,082.65 due to the renovation of the, of the high school track, which prevented them from having their event in the stadium.
3: I move to approve the reimbursement of Kent Island High School Band Boosters, the amount of $1,082.65. Second. We
0: have a motion and a second. Any discussion?
4: I, I just want to, I, I just, it's an unfortunate situation but there were other sports teams that were affected by the brand new track going in at the high school. Um, The event did take place. It was just taken. it took place at another uh, area on the campus. Um, I just, I'm not comfortable with doing this. I think it opens up a can of worms. Um, There were (coughs) soccer teams and soccer games and home football games that had to be moved because of this. Uh, I personally uh, believe that the Commissioners funded the project and it was definitely needed but the time frame and when it was going to take place and how it was going to go off wasn't controlled by the commissioners it was controlled
3: by the board of ed so, so i'd like to honestly so you're saying there was others affected but we're not seeing those right now yeah so then i'm going to table my motion and i would like to see any others that were maybe affected have them forward with how reach they feel they school. were affected
8: by it huh reach out to the school about yes it. and find
3: out before so said. So
6: amenable you're to everybody
3: to table it yeah yeah
0: you're going to just withdraw the motion for now i'll withdraw for now yeah, then. yeah okay and we'll table it and
3: i don't want to see what I, I agree what with phil we don't need 10 of them coming in over the next month because of this and okay. see what the actual damage was okay
9: yeah.
1: very good all right thank you commissioners you want to stop there todd and we'll go can, all right. it is um, 540 yep. so we have um, Mr. Jeff Thompson here he is going to officiate the good. hearings this evening uh, our first hearing is for county ordinance 2301 and this is for the public facilities bond authorization of 2023 all
10: right this is a public hearing the county commissioner of Cuyannes County will be a hearing on January 24th 2023
9: at 540 and the county commissioner of or Liberty Street Center,
11: Maryland, 26.7. The public comments regarding The to Capitol Wooden number 23-01, a public law to authorize and empower Green County Maryland. Uh, From time to time, to borrow not
10: more than $7 million for the public purpose of financing or refinancing certain public facilities. All is more quickly described in the
11: proposed ordinance, to evidence of falling by issuance and
10: sale and the cost the private sale runs full credit. A series of the false safety credit of one new series of general obligation laws in a like format, empowering and directing the county to adopt a resolution to change the Section 19-504B of the Local Government Article of the Annotated Code of Maryland, 2016, replacement the 5 a supplement. Prior to issuing all or any foreign bonds, empowering and, and directing the county to levy adverbs uh, of the taxes at a rate and an amount sufficient to provide funds for the payment of the return principle of an interest on the bonds and pledging the county's full paper credit and unlimited taxing power to the payment thereof Exempting the bonds from... Oh, sorry. Exempting the bonds from provisions of sections 19 205 to 19 206, inclusive of the code authorizing the issuance of refunding bonds and relating generally to the issuance and sale of such bonds. All persons who wish to comment on the proposed ordinance may do so at a hearing. Speakers will be limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length may be submitted on or before the hearing date to the county commissioners at 107 North Liberty Street, <coughs> Centerville, Maryland 21617. Copies of the proposed ordinance may be obtained in its entirety at the County Commissioner's Office 107 North Liberty Street, Central Maryland <coughs> 21617, prior to the hearing, bringing hours of 8 a.m. to 4 30 p.m. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assistive listening devices will be available for individuals with disabilities. If any such assistance is necessary, please contact Mrs. Beverly Churchill at 410 758 440 6 or TDD four one zero seven five eight two one two six at least seven days before the scheduled hearing. Uh, this was issued by authority of the County Commissioners for Queen Anne's County. We've got certificate of publication showing uh, that it was Army. published both on the Bay Times and the Record Observer on 113.23 and 120.23 and that certificate of publication will become part of the record. Thank you.
8: And this is
0: a I think that's next one Josh you wanted yours for the, the next hearing not this hearing right Yes. okay thank you so we have nobody that signed up would anybody like to speak in re- relation to uh, county uh, bill number 23-01 seeing none we're going to go ahead and close the uh, comment uh, public Facilities Bond Authorization of 2023. That being said, we'll close that. And we, we, does right, anybody want to vote now on this or you want to wait two weeks for this one? Because it's pretty much cut and dry. I'm ready to vote
8: now. I think we can vote on, all
0: right. Somebody want to make a motion?
3: passed Ordinance 2301.
0: We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Something going on there, don't you? Yeah, we're fine. I'm sorry. This one's uh little but we'll put the feet back in. So we're good there. We're going to hold on. Let him do his thing.
1: All right. <clears throat> the, um, the <laughs> that takes care of us. All right. The one. Sorry about that. By right. I got a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, commissioners. Our next hearing for the armored storage on Kent Island is scheduled for 5:50. So we have a few more minutes. We'll um, head right back. So there to we'll those go back action to ads. tab yeah. number three. Hmm? Action items, tab three. Action item number four on page six. This is for the local parks and playground infrastructure grant. This is a, a vendor approval list, uh, commissioners. I previously approved uh, a series of projects using the $1 million grant from DNR for um, park improvements. And um, th- that would include the renovation of the courts at Round Top Park, for pickleball courts and one basketball court. replacement of the basketball court lights at Pinckney Park, color coat the basketball court at Pinckney Park and construction of a skate park at Cocky Lane in Stevensville. And we have a, uh, a listing of Vendors here, on various state contracts and national contracts, for the court work, ATC Corporation, for the court lights, Musco Lighting, or the skate park, American Ramp Company.
12: So uh, I
3: move Director- to the Department of Parks and Rec to use ATC Corp, Musco Lighting, and American Ramp Company to complete the projects for the FY23 DNR LPPI grant. Second.
0: We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? I'd say that, you know, we this set of commissioners and the last set of commissioners were totally uh, in support of of upgrading all of our parks and our crosswalks. And this is just another step uh, in, in spending another million dollars uh, to get all the what our county administrator said uh, repaired and uh, a new uh, skateboard park. So we're, we're looking forward to all those. Any
13: other discussion, Mr. Director, the uh, at picnic park is there a chance to put um, timers on the lights
11: there is there will be a timer where you'll be able to activate it from let's say like now In, you do it from 5 until 10 p.m. turn it on or so is it an, an hour? hour it'll Half run hour? for an hour it'll go off and then you turn the, the dial again it'll come back on right. so that way it's not constantly on you'll be able so to monitor are
13: those. all lights that are going for recreation here so they're going to start having all of the timers on yes
11: we've done that for our pickleball courts our basketball courts and our tennis courts and any other future right um, court um, lighting will do that as well
0: good job thank you any other discussion okay we're voting on to authorize the department of parks and recreation to use the above vendors atc court. Musco Lighting, and American Ramp Company to complete their projects for the FY23 DNR-LPPI grant. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved.
1: Thank you, commissioners. Item five on pages seven through 25 is the Bloomfield Maryland Heritage Area Authority grant. Uh, Parks and Rec received a grant for 17500 for for um, uh, work uh, to do a study at Bloomfield Farmhouse at White Marsh Park to do a historic uh, evaluation structurally of that building. This includes a $17,500 match from the county.
8: I move that Commission President Jim Moran execute the Maryland Heritage Area Authority Fund grant for Bloomfield Farmhouse at White Marsh Park. Second.
0: We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? someone <clears throat>
1: All right, Thank you, commissioners. <clears throat> Item six on pages 26 and 28 is the Parks and Recreation capital equipment purchase, and um, this is uh, in 2021. Uh, Parks was approved to purchase two Chevrolet Silverado 2500s uh, at 36,464 each. Obviously, we know we've had supply chain issues. One of them has not come in, and they're not—they're no longer making those models. So. Uh, they did find a 2023 model at a rate of 49575 a difference of $13,111, and we're seeking approval to uh, add that additional budget to the equipment acquisition.
4: So we're looking at total,
3: oh, sorry,
8: go ahead. I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreations to continue with the purchase from Hertrick Fleet Service Inc. and in from Milford, Delaware at the increased cost of $49,575 funding to come from the Department of Parks and Recreation's capital equipment budget. Did we get a second? No. Oh, second.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could have done
0: that. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion?
3: Um, So,
4: so, because of the supply chain issues, um, we're gonna pay $100,000 for these two trucks as opposed to-
11: Well, we're only purchasing one because of, um, we can't get the second one. Okay, so it's only win. one we're, we're getting. We're only getting one. Oh, okay. We initially wanted two, two. We, had finan- or we had money for that, but because of the delay, the prices went up, you know, we're asking for the additional 13,000 that would um, cover the, the, the cost of at least one.
4: So this is a Chevy Silverado 2500 with an extended cab. What do we use that for? Just moving personnel around?
11: Personnel for plowing snow, uh, moving material. Cool. If Thank you,
13: you. If you got a tundra, it lasts 300,000 miles.
11: <laughs> we'll keep that one in mind. <laughs>
13: Any other discussion?
0: Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved.
1: All right, thank you, commissioners. And uh, we have one other item for parks. If we can cover that now while Mr. Chanley is here. It's uh, desk item number two, um, a Ford Transit Connect van acquisition and in the same vein as our last action item. Uh, parks was approved to purchase two 2021 transit vans <coughs> for $44,670. Uh, we have not received either of those vans. Uh, they don't have a build date for those. They were very hard to get. Uh, we have found out uh, about one uh, replacement vehicle, a 2022 Ram Promaster City Wagon, that is available for 35604 at a local dealer, and we are requesting approval to cancel the current contract for the Transit Connects and purchase this one unit um, for this acquisition.
8: I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreations to cancel the current contract with Apple Ford of Columbia forty four thousand six hundred and seventy dollars for two transit connect vans and move forward with the purchase of one 2022 ram promaster city wagon from preston cdjr of millsboro delaware for thirty five thousand six hundred and four dollars
0: second we have a motion and a second any discussion on this item
4: i have a question um again what are we going to use this this the transit vans? Yes.
11: Uh, that would be for, we're only purchasing one. Uh-huh. Initially we're going to get two, so <laughs> right. I'm helping you out. <laughs> um, it will be used for our custodial um, okay. uh, crew. I sure. Okay. Um, could we do, in the? I, I
4: know this is kind of a unique, because we didn't get what we wanted, and so right. we have to go in alternate direction but in the future when you have requests if you could just put in the reading here exactly what we're going to be using it for and then that way i don't have to tie things up a little
3: bit and i guess the other thing looking at this i mean that's almost over 20 percent increases are we looking at that coming into this year's budget um in terms of what we're going to be looking at for increases in uh capital equipment. We with have the systemic stuff. we have
11: ad- adjusted you know those new numbers what we think they're going to be and kind of based off of this so you know that will reduce our our total request as far as what we're asking and you feel
3: comfortable with the numbers you're coming in with based on availability.
11: That's that's the key. I mean we can go ahead and put in the order but we don't know if it's going to you know be backlogged again or not. And then, this one I mean this then back the price to, to price 20 you know September of 21.
3: Right No, I, I, I this is—I know this is like the third or fourth one to come in, but that's a reality that I think we're going to have to deal with here mm-hmm. moving forward for some time. True. Or older models.
11: Well, and just also for informational purposes, you know, as we're getting these new vehicles, we're turning in. Um, for this one, we i think—we're turning in a 2001 Chevy Blazer and also a 1996 Sierra um, uh, 1500. So, you know. We're squeezing every bit of life out of the vehicles that we get.
13: Meaning you're, you're selling those back to the dealer or just selling them on the open uh, market?
11: We're selling them on um, Gov deals.
13: Good job. Okay. Any other discussion? <laughs> those <laughs> vehicles
4: are qualified for historic tax. That's right. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so to our taxpayers, there
0: you go. <laughs> All right, so what we're voting on is authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to cancel the current contract with Apple Ford of Columbia, Maryland for $44,670 for two Transit Connect vans. And we are moving to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to purchase one 2022 Ram ProMaster City Wagon from Preston CDJR of Millsboro, Delaware for $35,604. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Aye.
1: Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you, Director Chanley. Okay, Commissioners, it is 5.54, so we can now commence with the hearing for the growth allocation petition for armored storage on Kent Island. Uh, Mr. Thompson, uh, again, is gonna uh, officiate the hearing and we have our planning staff, Stephanie, that will begin <clears throat> the presentation on the project and we'll receive uh, public comment. And Director Mordock is here as well. And, and see I that. would
4: Thanks. just ask as a reminder that if you come up um, to comment, that you give us your name, your address, Okay.
10: Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to start by a reading of the public notice um, that appeared in both the Bay Times and the Record Observer on January the 6th, January the 13th, and January the 20th of this year. And the certificate of publication will, will be made a part of the record. Notice of Public Hearing. The Queen Anne's County Commissioners hereby gives notice, pursuant to code the Public Laws of Queen Anne's County, Chapter 14-1, Chesapeake Bay Critical Area Act, 14 177 d that it will hold a public hearing concerning a growth allocation petition to reclassify reclassify 2.811 acres of land from limited development area, which is LDA, to intense development area, IDA, for a proposed 156,000 square foot four story self storage facility with interior access only and associated parking. The request includes existing parcels 351, 352, and 287 located on tax map 57 on Piney Creek Road and Nash Court. The application was submitted by petitioner Nashville Properties LLC and by the agent jo- Joseph A. Stevens of Stevens Palmer LLC. The petitioners propose proposal was made under the procedures of Chapter 14-1, Article 15 of the Queen Anne's County Code. The petition shall be considered by the county commissioners and a hearing will be held on January the 24th, 2023 at 5.50 at the county commissioners meeting room Liberty Building 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland 21617. The petition as well as the development site plan for the subject property and other relevant materials are available for view at the Department of Planning and Zoning 110 Vincent Street, Suite 104, Centerville, Maryland 21617 Monday through Friday between the hours of 8am and 4.30pm or contact the office at 410-758-1255 for more information. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assisted listening systems will be available for individuals with disabilities. If any such assistance is necessary, please contact Mrs. Beverly Churchill at 410-758-4406 or TDD 410-758-2126 at least seven days before the scheduled hearing by authority of the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County. And as Commissioner Dumineau pointed out, as you come up to testify, please state your name and address for the record so we can keep track of those who are testifying here tonight. Thank you.
5: Okay.
14: All right. Um. For you this evening, you have a growth allocation petition for armored storage. So the first thing I want to go over is just the process and how we've got to this point in the process. Um, so the Planning Commission, the County Commissioners, and the Critical Area Commission are all charged with making the decisions on this application. Uh, the first step is for the app- applicant to consi- uh, submit a concept plan and for the Planning Commission to review that concept plan. Uh, for this application, that was done on July 14th, 2022, and the Planning Commission also, uh, indicated that there were technical comments for this application and we'll kind of go through that as we go through the rest of the presentation but uh, the next step is to file a growth allocation petition which was completed on september 19th and then the county commissioners are to refer that application to the planning commission for to review the growth allocation petition that was done on october 11th and the planning commission held their public hearing on november 10th and as well after that um, that recommendation was forwarded to the county commissioners on december 13th so at this point in time the county commissioners are to hold a public hearing and then to conceptually approve or disapprove that proposed petition um, and also to include conditions and then items seven through nine i'll go over at the end just because that's the next steps moving forward (laughs) There we go, all right. So this is the concept plan that was approved on, uh, there we go, (laughs) thank you. On July 14th, the applicant is requesting growth allocation for 2.8811 acres of land to be reclassified from limited development area to intense development area, and they're requesting approval um, from the county commissioners. All right, so this, project is re- located in Chester. You'll see the red dot there um, in the, on the lower part of the screen.
7: Okay, thank you. <laughs> Alright, so
14: the zoning for this parcel is zoned uh, Town Center and also it's located when, within the uh, growth area for Chester and Stevensville. All right, then in front of you you'll see that um, in order for this application to go through, the, uh, the applicant will be required to do an administrative subdivision and this will um, be near the end of the process, but this is the proposal. The property owner will be um, basically merging parcels that are on the um, I guess the middle of the screen there and then the parcel that's to the top northeast. That'll be conveyed to the county commissioners for um, basically for potential launch area or also uh, increase the trail that's there now. So that's their um, what they'll be doing for uh, their economic benefit to the county, which is a requirement for growth allocation. All right, and before you, uh, this is basically the concept plan uh, that the Planning Commission did approve in July. The 156,000 square foot building is the area in pink, and then you'll see some parking, which is in the uh, grade area, which would be to the west of the building. And also there's uh, proposed stormwater management to the east of the building and also to the south of the parking area. Mm -hmm. Uh, There will be existing structures that will be removed for the um, building of this structure. And also all the TC, which is uh, standards, of design standards have been met. The green area is a deed restricted area um, in which basically they're deed restricting that area so there can be no further uh, development in that area and there's no proposed development at this time. Uh, It's also uh, map priority funding area, enterprise zone, and also um, S1 for sewer and W2 for water. So currently there's no plans for the Shamrock Road overpass which is there, but um, basically the Planning Commission put a condition on this application that the property owner needs to work with DPW and State Highway in the future uh, for when that uh, will come through. At this point in time there's no direct plans for that. Um, And then obviously previously noted, a concept plan is required um, as part of a growth allocation petition. Um, The planning commission obviously put their conditions on it. Um, This is a site plan that goes before the county commissioners which is not something that normally occurs. Usually you do not see uh, site plans. But with the fact that it's embedded in a growth allocation petition, this is where you have the opportunity to um, incorporate conditions on the actual uh, concept plan itself. Mm Okay, so the area, um, the black dotted area, that's what the property line will be um, after the administrative subdivision. The red hatched area is the 2.811 acres that is requesting growth allocation. The existing um, area that's in yellow, that's limited development area, and that's a total of 1.968 acres if growth allocation is approved. And then the remaining 4.247 acres of resource conservation area will not change with this application. So the Planning Commission um, put technical comments on this application when they reviewed it in July. Um, They were to the applicant to meet with the adjacent property owner. Uh, The applicant has done so and then they needed to formulate a plan of hours and operation and security. They have done so and supplied that in their um, application and their petition. Uh, They're also to provide renderings of the structures amongst basically the surrounding properties, and I've done so, and I've included some of those images in this presentation, which I'll show you. Um, and then they also were attempt to, they made a, an attempt to mitigate the appearance of the structure within the surrounding area. Uh, during the concept site plan review by the Planning Commission, this building was um, proposed to be a red, shade of red. Uh, when they came back for their um, growth allocation review, it was changed to a green color, which I will show you on the next slide and also included um, Bermuda shutters um, as an architectural feature. And then they're also to uh, submit an anticipated trips study which they have done so as well. As for the environmental aspect of this property, um, there's no steep slopes, uh, streams, endangered species, or habitat or interior dwelling bird habitat um, included in this parcel. There is woodlands, non-tidal wetlands, non-tidal wetland buffers, and also the floodplain on this parcel. Um, So there's 1.4 acres of woodlands to be cleared, and that's kind of the red dotted area, which is overlaid in green. There's 0.23 acres of non-tidal wetland buffer to be disturbed, and that's the yellow hatched area. Um, There's no non-tidal wetlands to be disturbed for this project. Um, and also, there's a floodplain area to be disturbed, and that's the red hatch cross hatch area. Um, at this point in time, that's 0.17 acres um, to be filled. Um, there's been an authorization um, pr- approved by MDE for the a disturbance of the non tidal wetlands buffer. Um, I just want to point out that it's a requirement of growth allocation not to impact habitat protection areas. The non-tidal wetlands are a habitat protection area, and there is no development proposed for that, but the non-tidal wetlands buffer is not considered a habitat protection area in which that's the area they've uh, received their approval from MDE
0: for disturbance. Explain that again, because I think that's going to confuse everybody, including me.
14: Yeah, (laughs) so the non-tidal wetlands has a required 25-foot buffer. And the non-tidal wetlands is which one? That would be the shaded, darker green. Okay. And then the non tidal wetlands buffer is the 25 foot setback off of that darker shaded green. And then they're disturbing 0.23 acres of that non tidal wetlands buffer. In relation to the growth allocation, you're not to disturb a habitat protection area. According to to Comar, a habitat protection area is the non tidal wetlands, but not the non tidal wetlands buffer. If that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> I know. <It's laughs> um,
0: You're saying that the, the yellowish-orange
14: mm-hmm. is,
0: is the it's buffer. The buffer
14: that they're disturbing. And yes. you can
0: disturb that buffer, but nothing on the other side of that buffer.
14: Yes, not the non-tidal wetlands. Yep. Okay. And so this is the renderings of the building that were submitted with the growth allocation petition. Um, obviously on the top, that's the front image. That would be uh, the east side of the building and then the bottom is the rear, which would be the the east, east side of the building, the front is the west side, sorry. Um, and this is what would, they had proposed to mitigate, obviously, the architectural renderings, change the color. And this is just the images from all the other sides of the building. The top uh, left is the Route 50 side, which would be the south side of the building. Um, the image on the bottom left, that's from Mr. Hudson's side of the building, that's from the north side, uh, the front which would be the west side of the building is on the top right and then the lower part is the rear part of the building which would be the east side of the building. Uh, Within their petition um, the property owner submitted renderings basically to show what the building would look like amongst the neighborhood itself. Um, There are two renderings that were submitted from 50. One shows uh, not very much vegetation in the front of the building and the one on the next slide shows. A lot more vegetation so there is no um this is something you might want to contemplate whether you know this look from 50 is something um
0: and that's the the uh cracker barrel billboard correct that's To yes. the that left the blue one mm-hmm. so that's where all the boats that's are where parked, all right? the
4: boats are yeah. right there mm-hmm.
0: so, they so this shot them out of there yeah all
14: right
0: okay i guess so you'll see the difference the brand
14: yeah you'll see the difference between the two images one has um trees on the right hand side and the other does not so and then this is the view from Piney Creek um, which is basically the north side of the building where mr. Hudson's property is Um, and that's the next couple slides so also as well when the applicant came in for the growth allocation through the Planning Commission they submitted um, two options of renderings option one Um, Well, go back to the original submittal. The original submittal only showed Bermuda shutters on the northwest side of the building, which would be um, towards Mr. Hudson and towards 50. Uh, This first option is showing windows in what would have been in place of Bermuda shutters, which are not windows. Um, And the next option shows Bermuda shutters on the north side of the the, the building and then windows to the, the west So there is a little difference. Uh, The Planning Commission did not make a decision on either of the options or the renderings, but just so you're aware, there were multiple um, submitted. All right, and now to the growth allocation requirements themselves. Um, This is in the growth area. It is redevelopment, so it is consistent with the comprehensive plan. Um, They have submitted a economic benefit to the county, as in donating the piece of property to the Northeast. Um, There is location or criteria for um, adjacency standards. It has to be within an existing limited development area, which it currently is. And and if it's less than 20 acres, it has to be located in a growth area, which I've indicated it is as well, served by public water and sewer, which it is consistent with the goals and objectives of the comp plan, and on the right-hand side, you'll see their goals and strategies from the comp plan that are consistent with this project, and the overall economic benefit to the community, which they have submitted. They also are required to minimize impacts to habitat protection areas. We kind of went over that with the environmental slide. And also they're to optimize benefits to water quality. They're currently um, required to meet stormwater requirements, but they're going above and beyond what they're required to do. And then it's to minimize their impacts to the defined land uses within the RCA, and that's the portion of the property on the east side, um, which is RCA, and there's no development proposed for that side of the. The, the parcel okay. Sorry. it's okay. Um, planning Commission recommendation uh, they made a favorable recommendation to the commissioners uh, listed there's the conditions that they put on this application as uh, to dedicate the resulting parcel 287 um, for passive recreation deed restrict the five point nine eight seven acres of woodlands uh, stormwater facilities shall be tested for effectiveness on regular basis Um, no disturbance to the non-tidal wetlands, and then a fence um, put in place on the north side of the building, which is adjacent to Mr. Hudson's property, and then um, they need to meet with uh, DPW and SHA uh, moving forward with the Shamrock Road overpass. And then the next steps, obviously uh, the commissioners need to put a conceptual vote on this. Um, I've listed there the things that uh, you might want to look at Um, After this, you'll make a recommendation. It will go um, to the Critical Area Commission for their review and approval. And they will hold a public hearing. Um, Once that is complete, it'll come back to the county commissioners to hold another public hearing for the actual map amendment. Um, That's the point in time when the actual um, map designation will occur, there'll be a public hearing and you will um, render a decision at that point in time. And then the final site plan will go back to the Planning Commission for approval, and they must, at that time, incorporate all the conditions that are placed on the application throughout the entire process. So now, um, that all aside, there is a rendering uh, 3D kind of model that the GIS department put together. Um, It kind of shows the building within the neighboring areas, so. Here, I don't see it. (laughs) It's some ACDC.
15: <laughs>
14: hey,
0: Lou Rawls, can you or get us like a video? For us, or are
16: you
14: going to give us a video? <laughs> <laughs> Lou Rawls. No, 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 my computer doesn't hear the music. Only when.
3: Every parts directed that you know. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I might have missed this i'm sorry i had to step out but growth allocation for some in the room and some on tv what does that allow them to do when someone gets growth allocation what what does that allow someone to do
14: yep. so it allows them to change the critical area designation on their property um, there's three critical area designations resource conservation area limited development area and intense development area resource conservation area is intended for uh, larger tracts of land usually agricultural wetlands woodlands areas Limited development area is usually your uh, subdivisions. Um, Within those two, there is a 15% lot coverage limit. Um, So basically, there's only um, a certain particular amount that you can develop on the parcel. Um, And then intense development area, there is no restriction on lot coverage. Um, Therefore, it usually then goes back to the county zoning requirement for any type of impervious surface requirement. But they are required to meet stormwater management requirements above and beyond um, what is required um, of RCA and LDA. So. Thank you. Okay.
10: It's a lot coverage issue. That's
14: mm-hmm. Yeah, for this project they need the lot coverage right. so they're, that's why they're requesting the growth. Impervious, mm-hmm. right.
8: So without this growth allocation, what can, what can they do with that lot as of right? Like what would they, if there was a, another business or something mm-hmm. else being as, what, what of, as
14: of right now they would have to meet um, the 15% lot coverage limit um, the permitted uses, the use would still be the same. Um, they could, but only, only increase, have a lot coverage of 15%, which what, is-
3: What square footage is that?
0: Approximately? Yeah, I mean, what, what we're looking at here is what percent is of the-
14: this, uh, The building is 156,000 square feet. I'd have to pull the plan out.
0: Uh, we finally
14: stumped her. <laughs>
17: uh, we did. <laughs> oh. Oh.
10: You you have
7: 19, is the
14: okay, of the all right.
0: Thirty-nine thousand. Right. 39, so, time. what? What is that percentage-wise? I'm just curious. You know, fifteen percent on a regular. Say
14: it's close to so
17: the overall. Okay. It's it's the project area is roughly nine acres, and what we're showing right now is about sixteen and a half percent infertile cover. Mr. Chairman, would you identify yourself for the record? Okay. Kevin Sharon,
10: DMS Associates.
0: We we won't ask him any more questions, so he comes up here. Okay.
18: <laughs> I would like to make
10: as a part of the record. Um, the document that Stephanie was Miss Jones was testifying from as well as the video, just so it's a part of the record, I, I guess, planning safe exhibit one, for lack of a description. Right. So.
0: All right, anybody else have any more questions for staff at this time?
10: Sure.
8: Yeah, other, so other than like a self storage area, what types of businesses could be there right now as of right?
14: So this, this up is zone town center. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously you could have your, um, any type of commercial uses, Um, obviously also at this point in time, uh, your resident, the single-family dwellings that are there at this point in time are Mm non-conforming because single-family dwellings aren't permitted in the town center. Um, Any other? It's
7: mostly mixed use commercial development. I think uh, they're light, medium, and um, high commercial as well as I believe low uh, light industrial.
8: So a warehouse could go in there right now smaller than what this is but someone could open up a business they want to do automotive shop or something like that is that
14: something that would be considered industrial okay. but not apartments right that is
7: cruel. no I think
14: apartments would be okay right? I think
7: apartments are commercial. permitted commercial town center not an right. urban
13: commercial
14: Right. right. Mm.
13: okay so so to Chris's point if an auto, if an automotive uh, company wanted to build, a build, what could their square foot be? 13%? 15, 15.
7: 15. 15. Yeah, this, the growth allocation uh, has no bearing on the permitted uses. The permitted uses are outlined in the zoning district right. and the uh, growth allocation or the critical area designations do not impact or uh, open the door to additional or more intense Uses, the uses are identified in the zoning district. Um, It's as uh, uh, Jeff noted, this is a matter of uh, looking at lot coverage.
8: So when we talk about what they're able to do as of right Mm -hmm. and put aside a growth allocation, I just want to sort of explain to people that if they did something that's within the right, smaller, not the growth allocation, that's not something that comes before the commissioners. Correct. That they would just go ahead and do that. I mean, I think there's some people who have this feeling like that there's this vote today, or not today, but there's this hearing today, there's a vote whether they're not a storage unit, and if there's no storage unit, then nothing goes there. But that's that's not true, right? There's, they could put, build something else there, right?
14: And they would have to meet 15% of the limited development area, which is the yellow portion of the parcel. Okay. They would not be able to use the lot coverage that would be allocated to an, the RCA portion of the parcel because commercial and industrial uses aren't permitted in the RCA. Okay. So this something. allows
0: them to use the RCA area, is, I mean, as far as in the growth allocation to get the 13%? They're,
7: they're no. not using, they're not requesting growth allocation in, in the, the RCA. I
0: understand that, but but are they not using that square footage? No. They just don't
7: you're, have any,
10: they don't have any density restrictions on the IDA, which is what allows. Okay, well,
0: I'll, I'll ask a question.
14: You're, you're talking about the floor area. I'm I think talking, that's what you mean. I'm talking
0: about the impervious area that the, the, so the project. The
14: floor area. Um, um, so
0: building parking lot and mm -hmm. you're you're impervious
14: the floor area is totally different from impervious area they are utilizing rca acreage for their floor area calculation which allows them the size of the building but you have an impervious cover um, requirement as well but they can't with outgrowth allocation they can't use that impervious coverage that would be within the RCA in the LDA because they're two separate definitions, I guess is oh. how it's looked at.
13: Okay. All right. Any other questions for the staff? So so just so I understand, yellow area that you're alluding to mm-hmm. is 1.968 acres. So you're saying 15% of that could be, if this was an automotive uh, to the commissioner's point, 15% of that. Do you have your little? Pull the drawing back mm-hmm. up on the-
19: Give me. A second.
20: <laughs>
3: the one, the overhead that shows Go. the uh, buffers and all uh,
12: that, that stuff.
14: Probably the fourth or fifth slide. Uh, the one with the yellow and the green. Yep, that one right there. Mm-hmm. So the existing. Uh, this image is showing what the requested intense development area is. And what it would be resulting after the approval of growth allocation. At this point in time, all of that 2.811 acres and the 1.96 acres are all limited development area. So you've got a total of, sorry, I'm using my calculator. 4.7
21: acres.
13: Mm
14: -hmm. And the remaining is 4.2 of the is RCA. So you're that's the existing breakdown of it, but the proposed breakdown is 2.811 of intense development area, and then the remainder, um, 1.968, will remain in limited development area, not the entire limited development areas proposed for growth allocation, mainly due to uh, wetlands that are on the parcel. To
7: the To clarify, The growth allocation request is not a request for the entire acreage of the parcel and is not proposed in the resource conservation area Mm -hmm. and it is only requested for a portion of the LDA area. So the growth allocation is for a limited area within the LDA to become IDA.
4: Which is what that 1.969 acres is
7: 2.8 the red hatched
14: area oh, okay. is what they're requesting the growth okay. allocation for
7: <clears throat> but it's 2.8 acres of the 9 acre parcel is the request.
0: Right that's, a, that's what I was getting at the 9 acre the green the wooded area counts towards that 9 acres. Yes. And that's what I'm saying so you would factor the 9 acres with the impervious and which gives us the 13 or 14 percent
14: no no, 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 she's saying no. you take
3: that What you have to take that out, you're only allowed to use it within the the, the yellow. The yellow. Yes. It's, it's what's in the yellow. The green can't count for that. So all the yellow, if we're counting all the yellow plus the red hash,
14: mm-hmm.
0: that's giving us the the, the the percentage for the impervious.
14: That's giving you the acreage of the existing LDA. Okay, this is so
0: How much impervious was there again that you had? you.
17: That you're allowed to have in the LDA? Yes. Yeah. 15% 30, roughly thirty-seven acres. Yeah. 15% of the but how much
0: do you have with this project?
17: We have a total of
0: 1.4. No, but percentage?
17: Percentage-wise, including the entire property, it comes in at 16%.
0: That's what I'm saying, so they're counting the entire property and they're coming in just, at that just percent? As,
17: just as in terms, of, just in terms of what the impact is on the overall property. Okay. Just yeah, for,
0: that's, that's, okay. okay. And when you say overall, you're?
17: Including the, the whole nine acres. Thank you.
0: That's what I was getting at. Yeah, was okay. It's hard, all right well any other questions we, we, we can bring it back up later yeah, for, yeah think of some more but uh we want to let the the developer know to do it the problem, right? yeah mm-hmm. you, yep joe you guys yeah. you can be good in. you want you need some more time okay all right yeah. uh, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Joe, are you guys
1: uh do We have to, do we have to hold them to 3 minutes? We, we typically do, yeah. Anybody public comment, give them three minutes. Yeah,
15: if I could address that, though, I, I know you do typically for legislative, you know, amendments and things like this, but, but un, a growth allocating, allocation procedure is a, adjudicatory. It's you have to make findings, I have to create a record. Now, I don't plan on belaboring things, but I will need more than three minutes to do that. And I think the case law supports that not only am I entitled to do it, but, but you need to have that record f- for you to make findings, whether it's in favor or opposed. You need to go to that record, so I have to create it. Um, So I would like a little more than that for minutes. Yeah, it,
10: it, it, this hearing is a hybrid. I mean, there's case law on it. I mean, it's, it's judicatory, so he has to, you know, give you the facts from which you can make a decision because your decision has to be made on all those, all those You're our
0: plans. legal representation. Are you saying it's fine? Yes. Need, okay. Yeah. Have a seat. Let's and go I on.
15: won't belabor things because planning staff, as, as usual, did a, a very detailed job. Joseph Stevens, um, 114 West Water Street, Centerville, Maryland, on behalf of the applicant, um, And for the record, I'm going to give Mr. Thompson, I believe you have most of this that was given to you via email and maybe even hard copy, but I want to make sure there's a record copy. So I'm going to provide Mr. Thompson with all of this. That is all the materials that, that Ms. Jones had provided to you that we've provided. And there's a few other slides that I have copies of in here that Mr. Sharon and myself will go through as part of our presentation and creating are the they record. Pre-marked? They're all pre-marked, yes. They're all, they're all marked. Perfect. Every single one is marked. And then I'm gonna just give you a, um, County Commission, I'm just gonna pass out to you a, um, th- those are all the exhibits. That's just a list of them. So if but, you ever wanna look at the record, say where was that, you can go back and look at it. <coughs> we get them no, no. no. Sure
8: thank you all right and just anybody in the public who wants a copy of the list of the exhibits you can reach out the Commissioner's office and get a copy that, that's all problem.
15: mr. Thompson will have all that um, and they're already most of them already exist as I said so um, you know growth allocation uh, is a mechanism that was set up in the critical area of law um, To allow the county to change 5% of its critical area land to upgrade it to either LDA or IDA because the critical area law when it was established in the early 80s recognized that the critical area meanders throughout counties and their growth areas where they have existing subdivisions existing commercial uses so they said we're going to create a mechanism for, uh, for local jurisdictions to recognize this and allow some additional development, some additional growth in the critical area. Uh, and that's the application uh, that's before you today. Um, what you'll see is, is that uh, the applicant and the application and the property location is in the county's growth area. And I'm going to go through that in just a minute in a little more detail. Um, But um, uh, it's in the county's growth area. It's in the county's area that's designated uh, as a priority funding area. It's in the part of the county that's identified as enterprise zone. And this goes way back. So let me start by going way back. I'll let Mr. Sharon run these numbers. These are all in the record. Um, Run the the PowerPoint. You can see, um, go back one, go back one, Kevin. Okay. So I have an arrow, a blue arrow pointing to the properties um, that are, it, 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 the, how of it matter today? They were zoned in, in 1965 R3. So that was a high density residential zoning district for the county back then. When the county did their first comprehensive rezoning in 1987, they zoned it, they zoned it so urban commercial. So that's what that property was in 87. Urban commercial, that has very, Um, uh, limited requirements on lock coverage. So you can have high lock coverage in that area. Um, And it allows a a, a whole whole slew of commercial uses. Then the county um, rezoned it, kept keeping it urban commercial for several years. Keep going, Kevin. And then 2004, 2010.
17: 2010
15: designated a town center. So it's now town center, has been town center for all that time. Town center zoning allows multifamily up to 10 units per acre. It's the same zoning where you see um, uh, the um, Red Apple Plaza facilities. So you can get the, the gist of the intensity allowed under the underlying zoning. The reason why the applicant's requesting growth allocation is, as I think Commissioner Moran had, had understood, is because. The, un, for, within their designated limited development area, and in order for them to utilize the property consistent with the town center zoning, and, and even a little more lock coverage, they need to go to intense development area in order to do that. That lifts or removes the 15% limitation. Has nothing to do with land uses. You can put, right now you can put every land use on there with or without growth allocation that you could with or without growth allocation, but you're limited on your impervious coverage. If it stays LDA, you can only go up to 15%. Mr. Sharon will go through the percentages that we're requesting in more detail in just a second. Why not you give me the next one? Okay, we go. So these are the comprehensive plans that the counties had. This is the 1993 comprehensive plan. The comprehensive plan shows this property for urban development. Next one. Okay. Chester community plan from 1997 shows this property town center.
17: You can use new batteries. <laughs> you, you can see it
15: uh, yeah. went too many, but it's all right. Cause the next few plans are all the more recent plans. See, this is right out of it until I get to 2022. Every single one shows it for growth area, priority funding and for mixed use commercial development. And that's what the town center allows: mixed use and commercial development, um, and in a priority funding area. It has public sewer, and um, and there's public water near the property, and it's designated W2 and S1 because it has public sewer. So th- this is this is a property that the county has identified to have some growth on it. Um, and not only that, but we did a and and. Again, Ms. Jones' staff report hits upon all of it. If you look at the staff report to the Planning Commission, it's a really concise read in terms of plan consistency, consistency with the 2022 comprehensive plan. So I'm only going to mention a couple things. One is the significant limitation on sewer. The county, and we all know this, the the plan says limit residential growth on Kent Island, allow for redevelopment of properties, infill of properties, not with residential uses and that don't use a lot of sewer and don't have impact on adequate public facilities. And I'll just, I want to read the, the, the section out of the plan. Acknowledge that adequate public facilities ordinance will remain in use and future land use decisions will be based on available capacity for sewer, water, schools and roads. Okay? So you don't want to do commercial, I mean residential, the applicant's not proposing residential. And you want low impact on adequate public facilities. Our traffic count shows that this will have less than, it won't even need an adequate public facility study for traffic. There'll be so few cars going there during peak hour. Under 25 trips during peak hour. That's in the record. Water and sewer allocation is minimal, absolutely minimal. There's some to the property now. I think they might need 500 more gallons at most to do this. Um, and there's no impact on schools whatsoever so it fits into the comprehensive plan squarely in regards to the use that's being proposed Um, and then finally you know the the applicant has I'll let mr. Sharon get into it the applicant has gone in and um, uh, and will be dedicating property which does have value because it provides the county with some access to the water Adjacent to an existing county open space property and you'll see it and then access to Piney Creek Road Which it doesn't have for that property now as I understand it Why don't you give me the next slide because I want to talk about growth allocation for a second
8: Bruce can do it for you, you want to advance one. Yeah, yeah, you can just advance
15: okay yeah perfect go. so this is at the end of Ms. Jones staff report to you because it's hard for you to see up there it's in the record it has been for months um, these are the second the, the bottom table are all the growth allocations that the county has granted okay so well, I, I want to reference a few of them so that you understand uh, the Kmart got 16 acres of growth allocation right on Route 50 um, the um, uh, Maryland General, in order to do um, uh, Red Apple Plaza, receive growth allocation. There are a number of those through, and I'm going to ask for the next slide. You can see where this is Kent Island, and this is your critical area map, which you have I provided to you in the record, and you can see where growth allocation and IDA has been used. Now, not all this red is growth allocation. Um, Yeah, distinguish between the green and the, the yellow and the red. The green is what's in resource conservation area in the critical area. The yellow is what's in limited development area in the critical area. And the red is what's in intense development in the critical area. Critical area line goes inland from tidal waters 1,000 feet, so that's where you see land in the middle is not affected, you know, it's all white, okay, because that's not in the critical area. It's only 1,000 foot from tidal water. So as you move off the Bay Bridge, you can come to the, you see first the Kmart, which is the property right after the Route 8 overpass. If you're heading east, it will be on your right. Receive 16 acres of growth allocation. Then as soon as you pass the Kmart, the two subdivisions right off of Route 50, they're Anchorage and Cox Creek Landing, growth allocation. All right. The, it, it, let me have the next slide, please. Okay. This is the Chester area. So if you look now, you see the Four Seasons to the North, which was all growth allocation, a large growth allocation request, obviously. And then you can come down, and you can see Gibson's grant to the North. Gibson's grant received growth allocation. In fact, Gibson's grant was pre-mapped, so the county in the original growth, and I know this because I was there and I worked on it, the the county's original growth allocation, original critical area program, they took some growth allocation and they pre-mapped it onto the Gibsons Grant property. And then when the development came in, Gibsons Grant, you can see it in here, they actually had to get a little more and they gave some back and it went through a process. Um, But it used a large chunk of growth allocation uh, in order to do that development. If you look south of Gibson's Grant, south of Route 50, those properties there, many of them use growth allocations. K. Wilson, which I believe has that property that is referenced as K. Wilson on my list, got growth allocation. It was either for, for what is now Kangaroo Self Storage or Jeff's Auto Body, one of the two. I, I'm not exactly sure which one. Um, and then as you move further um, east, you can see the yellow triangle, that's where the uh, um, Nashville properties are today. And then why don't you go ahead, next slide, please. And this is Graysonville. And this, this one is, is, is very interesting because if you look, if you come through the Kent Narrows and you go through that, that uh, grouping of IDA, and then you come to the next small one and you see it on the south side, right where the Chester River Beach Road overpasses. You have what's known as uh, Graysonville Station that has the 7-Eleven. Um, it has the um, uh, it has the U-Haul facility. Has um, Patriot Fire the Patriot bank pa- Fire. and Patriot Fire that received growth allocation right there off of Route 50. And the reason is is because these properties were zoned in the growth area for for commercial or mixed-use development. And when the applicants come in and say, look, I I can't do a reasonable commercial or mixed-use development with 15% lock coverage, the law, the critical area program, provides local jurisdictions the mechanism to go ahead and say, okay, well, you can have a little bit of growth allocation in order to do it. Um, And for the big projects that got growth allocation, the Four Seasons, the Gibsons Grant, they, and, and took a lot of growth allocation, the county exacted a lot of improved public improvements, per se. Parks, you know, you know, the Four Seasons Parks, and the water tower, and the comfort station for the Cross Island Trail. Those were all exactions, but when it came to these small commercial properties, you know, the county was less severe because they recognized, look, you can't do anything on them. Nobody, nobody can meet those 15% limitations and build in accordance with the underlying zoning so that's what the request is um, to you today there have been uh, one I missed on the middle slide was also another mini storage facility that got growth allocation and it's right here on the list you can see it it's referred to as um, gateway self storage George Peters got two acres of growth allocation thereabouts in order to do the mini storage so this is not an unusual request, um, and and with that, what I'd like to do is is have Kevin Sharon hit upon some of the site statistics that I think you had questions about, and then we'll, we'll
17: then that we conclude our presentation. Did I get this in order. There we go. All right. Good evening, commissioners. Kevin Sharon, DMS and Associates. Um, I just wanted to go through, there's a exhibit in your packet, which is this exhibit here, which is the uh, environmental resource exhibit. And I just kind of wanted to walk through it in piece by piece. I'll try to be quick, Um, but just wanted to kind of show you how we approach a property and when we looked at this property it's unlike any other property where we start with the underlying environmental uh, resources so uh, the first thing if i get the next slide is um, this nine acres roughly with the acre and a half that is uh, the subject of being donated to the county was the overall original project it was ten and a half acres Um, we then knew that the the side on the other side of Shamrock right away which is that roughly five and a quarter acres between the two uh, red outlines is the state's um, overpass right away. We knew that the the area on the northeast was not going to be part of this development so we just concentrated on the nine acres. If I get the next slide. So the first thing we did one of the first things was identified the limits of the woods on the site. Um, you can see on the west there is a clearing, and that's where two, the two existing residences, uh, two houses are, and what's referred to now as Nash Court, that's uh, somewhat of an unimproved road that comes in uh, to a bit of a turnaround. We get the next slide. Uh, so then we, we um, hired an environmental consultant to go out and delineate the limits of the non tidal wetlands on the property. And that's shown in the darker area uh, to the south. Um, and then kind of the medium green is what Ms. Jones had referred to before is the 25-foot non-tidal wetlands buffer. Uh, so we're starting to build the environmental tapestry, if you will, uh, for what the site holds. The magenta line kind of squiggling down through the middle of the property is the critical area designation divide. And so everything to the east of that is the resource Conservation Area, RCA and the area to the the west of that is the LDA. Um, It's much more difficult to try to get growth allocation on an RCA to go to IDA, so early on we decided that's not even a fight we want to try. So we concentrated on the LDA portion of that. Um, If you can go to the next slide. Um, And so then, okay, so then the next layer is a crosshatch there on the, the north and east side and that is the 100-year floodplain limits. Um, the floodplain in this area is elevation five, and we can talk about a little bit of that more, if you can go to the next slide. Um, okay, well, we went one ahead, but that's okay. So the, so that kind of, that kind of set up where we wanted to concentrate the development, and it was very apparent after going through that exercise that really where the two houses were was where this development needed to be concentrated. Um, So with that and what is permitted on the site uh, with the underlying zoning and the use that the developer wanted to put on here, we came up with a layout that we feel is based on the environmental features around it, is very uh, sensitive to the environmental features, but yet maximizes his project. So I know there's been a lot of misconception on the size of the building. I think a lot of people refer to it as a 156,000 square foot building, thinking that that's the footprint of the building. The the footprint is actually 130 by 300. It's still a big building, no doubt. But it's a 39,000 square foot footprint on four four stories that gets it uh, the 156,000. Um, As part of the proposed conditions, we'll be upgrading um, Piney Creek Road from where the curb ends on the right-hand side down to the entrance, and we'll also be installing a public water main extension from the entrance of uh, Gibson's Grant down to this project, and then any properties in between can can connect to that, and it'll also provide uh, fire protection as well with additional fire hydrants. Um, What used to be Nash Court will be improved into a commercial entrance. Um, And then we've also tried to limit the amount of impervious cover on site based on the floor area and the use. um, The project is required to have 28 parking spaces and four loading spaces and we met that and did not exceed it. Uh, We are providing a a cul-de-sac, kind of a reduced cul-de-sac but still meets the turning radius for emergency vehicles as well as uh, patrons with uh, trucks or cars and trailers. Stormwater management has been provided on site. Uh, we've submitted a conceptual stormwater management uh, Report to the county and it's been reviewed and approved as well as by uh, critical area um, The if you can go to the next slide Okay, go one more so that that is the footprint of the project with the the amount of tree clearing that we're proposing uh, so if you go to the next slide um, okay so this slide shows kind of what Ms. Jones was describing before on the south side the the uh, brown hatched area is the wetland buffer that uh, we're proposing as part of the project that might be disturbed during construction uh, we do have an MDE permit for that they felt that that was a, a minimal request and they've already issued that uh permit the northeast corner of the building uh falls within the 100 foot floodplain and according to to fema we are allowed to fill that floodplain uh get the building up out of the floodplain the flood floodplain as i mentioned before is a five the finished minimum finished floor would have to be seven to meet that flood requirement and based on the topography of the property we're probably going to be somewhere near a nine so we'll be well out of the floodplain for for that. Just
15: follow up on that. Could you go in a little more detail? I mean, this is typical in regards to coastal floodplains in this area all along the shore, is that right? Correct, yes. And we're not asking for any special approvals from FEMA. This is part of their regulatory scheme.
17: That's correct. They want you to
15: elevate and flood-proof,
17: correct? Yes, yes. Okay, yep. All right, next slide. So what this blue hatching, demonstrates is the the RCA area that's going to be uh, left unchanged um, and then the next slide and as part of the development we are proposing to deed restrict um, the the remaining LDA portion that's not being requested to be um, part of the IDA and in doing so that that preserves, about 7.62 acres of woods um, with only about 1.4 acres of the fringe woods being removed uh, which by percentage of the overall nine acres is about 82 percent of the existing woods will remain. So again we were trying to to fit a good sized project in there but be sensitive to the surrounding environment. Well, let me ask a question on that. Is sure.
15: Is the amount of woodland that's being proposed to be cleared under this application more or less or the same as what could be cleared if it was not redesignated to IDA
17: under the LDA so we're we're proposing 1.4 acres and under the or under the LDA you're permitted up to 1.52 acres so think, we're actually so.
15: proposing to 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 remove less trees than what we could under the existing designation of of limited development area and that's an important point i want to make really this just boils down to the ability to do some
17: additional lock coverage in this correct okay um and speaking of lock coverage that that comes into stormwater management as i mentioned earlier we have two criteria for stormwater management the county's esd uh, requirements which is environmental site design which essentially takes volumes of water that you have to treat. Uh, the conceptual stormwater report that we've put forth for the county to review, there's a 9,500 cubic feet requirement and the facilities that we have uh, designed in conceptual uh, phase is about 14,000 cubic feet. So we're, we're well over, we'll definitely be able to meet our stormwater requirements on site. Uh, for the second criteria, the critical area, they do their stormwater, and again this is kicked in because we're requesting IDA requesting growth allocation any IDA property that develops has to meet uh, what the critical area calls a 10 percent pollutant reduction criteria and they rather than filtered volumes of water they measure theirs based on pounds of phosphorus removed on an annual basis um, it's a calculation that you go through based on the stormwater management features that you have on site. Let me start and ask, yeah.
15: could you explain just a little more detail what at the 10% pollutant reduction means, what does that mean?
17: Well, they're, they, they actually take samples, but it's, ba- it's based on removing phosphorus from a developed property
15: so but you have to reduce the amount of the idea
17: and and the requirement Uh, yes explain that so the 10% reduction is whatever the existing site is now you have to better it by 10% when you're done so the 10% reduction is 10% reduced from as it sits right now with two houses on it so in the end this 156,000 square foot building will have better water quality leaving it than the two residences
15: very good that's according to state law right okay
2: yes
17: good Um, okay so I'll just uh, let me go to the next slide so just a a couple of um, things to highlight is what we see as post development benefits Uh, about four and a quarter acres of RCA will will remain in its current state shy of uh, six acres of the nine acres will be deed restricted from further development which is about two-thirds of the site of the site area um, the about one and a half acre of uh, dedicated land to the county that could be used for passive recreation could, um, you, could you tell me where does that show me up on the screen where on that, the, the top right that top that triangle triangle yes Why don't you get to go ahead and move forward to the slide yeah okay go over go ahead one more slide if you would so that that triangle um, actually touches Piney Creek at the, the northeast corner um, obviously you're not going to get vehicular access to the water but it certainly could be a pedestrian access to the water um, another another benefit to to that is the the property to the southeast of that if you go to the next slide now this zooms out quite a bit but the area in blue is about 36 to 40 acres of county-owned land that was purchased back in 2002 um, that essentially is landlocked there there's no access from 50 or 301 and it does not quite go to piney creek roads right away so that triangle the one and a half acre dedication uh, could could make that connection to the 36 acres to the the rest of the county land the other benefit to making all that connection is if you go to the next slide we'll take a look at what the Shamrock Road overpass could look like. Currently, the Cross Island Trail is constructed in the Shamrock Road right-of-way. So by providing that connection, the acre and a half, it would provide the county a future path for the Cross Island Trail to to make its connections. For
15: for those who aren't familiar, the State Highway Administration as part of their overall capital projects years ago, acquired this right-of-way to construct an overpass between Shamrock Road to the south and over, over Route 50 as part of their connection between north and south of Route 50. This has been acquired by the state, um, but it's not in any planning or funding phase. The planning Commission wanted us to look at that and then to meet with State Highway and meet with the county to see if we could acqui- uh, assist them in providing for a, a, a good connection there. And that's what we agreed to do, that's what shows
17: it. <clears throat> you go to the next slide, it just kind of zooms out and shows how that connection is anticipated, if and when it Were to occur, and then, as I mentioned before, the area in white and all that right away is about five and a quarter acres that um, you know could be overpass and fill and everything else. So um, that concludes my slides. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them.
2: And
15: and that we're here to answer questions. You know, obviously throughout the rest of the hearing, Um, I have the applicant, uh, both Mr. Schultz with. um, with um, uh, Nashville property as well as Mr. Cloud, who owns two other facilities in the area, one in Easton, one in Queen Anne's County. Um, and so they're available to answer your questions as well. If you have some about the facilities, uh, I would like to um, at the end of the at the end of the proceeding, you know, just reserve a right to just close and make a closing comment if I feel the need to if you're so inclined to let me in the hour permits. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a five-minute recess I know we've been here a while but we'll take a five-minute recess and reconvene at
22: 6 57 <laughs>
10: We have a a sign-in sheet, and for those who didn't read it, I'm going to read it to you. Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during our public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes must be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly into the standing microphone and state your name, address, and topic of interest. In keeping with the dignity of the office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner the commissioners respect your desire and right to convey your message freely, but ask as a courtesy to the board that our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request to refrain from naming citizens and name calling and, and, and the like. Uh, what I'd also like is that you come forward, uh, if you haven't signed in, you need to sign in in order to speak. Uh, and I, I was expecting more, but if your, if your testimony is basically gonna be redundant or the same as the testimony that that precedes you, you can adopt their testimony as your own and that'll move this hearing along a little quicker. Uh, Don't wanna chill your effect to testify, but if it's redundant, the commissioners only really have to hear it one time. So with that, uh, Scott, and I can't even read the last name, the first person on the list.
23: Zetterton, maybe?
10: Zetterstrom. Zetterstrom. Yes, sir. Okay. I probably couldn't have under- I could even have read it. Oh, it's, it's very, very simple. simple. Your purpose. Name and
20: address for the record, please. Hello. My name is Scott Zetterstrom. I live at 186 Eleanor Street in Chester. Um, that's the uh, Gibsons Grant community. Um, just a little background. I'm an engineer. I have a consulting company. I uh, design and build breweries, et cetera. Breweries, wineries, distilleries, that sort of thing. So I'm familiar with growth, I'm familiar with business, I understand the tax base, I understand property rights, and I respect property rights, so um, I just have a few concerns about this project. Um, The first one is just the size of this thing. Um, You can imagine this is basically a football field four stories tall. I mean, that's a very large structure, and I appreciate the things that they've done. They changed the color, and they've added some window treatments and those things, and that certainly will help. You know, having more trees covering the building so we can't actually see it would help. I'm concerned about okay. light effects from parking lot lights and security lights and those sorts of things. Um, but even with those, uh, those corrections, you know, that's still a very large structure. It's going to have visual impacts from not only 50, but Piney Creek and, of course, the Cross Island Trail. I'm um, also concerned about the effluent effects, as you guys talked about, the hard surfaces, and I believe there are people here that are going to speak to that in detail. So I'll, let that, I'll leave, leave that for them. Um, and the last thing is also the impact on the Cross Island Trail itself. Currently, the Cross Island Trail shares Piney Creek Road, basically where this structure is going, where the, in, where the uh, uh, parking lot is going to be. And there's going to be traffic now on the Cross Island Trail, effectively, where the two share. And so if there's some sort of mitigation that can happen there, that would be very good. But in general, this is, I feel, a very large project for a, not a very large space. Um, There's also some concerns about acreage, et cetera. There's uh, discrepancies between the tax map and the surveyor, et cetera, and that changes allocation percentages for uh, coverage, et cetera. And those are just questions that I have that uh, I'd like answered at some point. So thank you very much.
10: Thank you. Uh, David Azar.
24: Good evening. Commissioners, or is it morning? (laughs) Um, David Azar, 209 Benton's Pleasure Road, Chester. I'm a local developer. I have apartments and condos and houses, and I have tenants. So of course, my play here is our tenants request time and time again, where can they find storage units? We do not have any ourselves i think this is a need for the county and when i build anything i try to look at what is needed more than any other reasoning behind it so i did send a letter to you um, all of you so you can refer back to that but i'm here tonight just to push that across that it's a need it's people that are that they might not be here in this room tonight because they don't come out to these meetings to say I need storage, but there is a great need for that, and we hear it all the time from my business. Thank you.
4: Jay hey, Johns.
21: Good evening, commissioners. My name is Jay Johns. I live at 215 Parks Road, Chester, Maryland. Um, I have I have several apartments and townhouses as well as single-family homes from Kent Island to Queenstown. I echo those same um, concerns as Mr. Azar does. I often hear from my tenants the need for storage units and the lack of them. Um, With all the new homes and apartments being built in the area, the need for this type of storage facility is necessary. I use the Cross Island Trail, and there are several windows along the trail that commercial buildings are visible. I feel that it is a much needed business in a perfect area It doesn't impact our schools, public facilities, or traffic. The trees that were shown in the visual demonstration will continue to grow and reduce the visibility. I'm requesting that the county commissioners grant growth allocation to the armored self-storage product in Chester. Thank you.
10: Thank you. Valerie Hirsch.
18: I'm Valerie Hirsch. I live in Gibson Grant at 139 McKinney Court in Chester. Uh, My husband, Tom, and I respectfully request that the county commissioners consider or require the following before voting on this matter. First, require the developer to meet with the Gibson Grant community in accordance with the conditions established in the July 14, 2022 concept plan approval. In the conditions established, the applicant was required to meet with adjacent property owners owners, plural. A letter dated October 26, 2022, sent by the Planning Commission to the Gibson Grant HOA specifically states, Gibson Grant is an adjacent property. This meeting request is reasonable and it is the right thing to do. All of our communities, all of our community rightfully I was rightfully concerned about the prospect of driving out of our beautiful residential area to be faced with the view of an inordinate ordinary large industrial building. Many in our community will be able to see this building from their homes. We have a right to voice our concerns and get our questions answered in person. Second, require a significant reduction in the size of the building. We would suggest two or three stories maximum. Third, require the owner to create a public easement on parcels 287 and 351 for public passive recreational use. This could be set up in the same fashion as the public 55 acre conservation park that the public uses even though the Gibson Grant community owns and maintains and fully pays for it with no monetary support from the county. Fourth, consider whether the critical area commission should weigh in. The planning commission finds Findings state there will be no impact to habitat (coughs) protection areas and water quality impact are to be minimized. This is hard to comprehend given the size of this building. Um, Five proactively address the cross island trail safety concerns. The cross island trail funnels users out onto the road right where the entrance of the facility will be. One question we want to ask the developer is what are the plans to protect the trail users as well as the storage facility users from accidents? Thank you. Thank you for your consideration. James Hudson. Jim.
2: You need help? Can't feel my feet. I'm just giving you all the time. You've been sitting a long time. (laughs) No, that's not my problem. (laughs) I got a lot of other problems. I'm James Hudson, and my wife, Mary Ellen, are here. We've been in all of the hearings so far. We're probably the only ones that are adversely uh, in a a different nature than what I'm hearing from other people about additional storage and all that. This has been a family-owned home since 1988. The other copies had a 85 in there that was a typo that i didn't pick up until today i have written what repeated what i have said previously uh for the council and uh the commissioners and i kind tried to put them in in order of their importance because there's things that i don't see up here that i have been negotiating with the the uh developers. And I think this is all self-explanatory. Obviously we don't like the four story building 20 feet off in our property line. I have raised uh, three grandchildren there. I have a great grandson that'll be a year old at the end of this month. And he's hoping to be raised there. Uh, we're not in a, I'm a retired uh, Anne Arundel County police officer with 30 years of service. I've lived here since the 70s, paid taxes, and I I just don't know that, I just don't, I don't have a a major complaint. It looks like it's being worked on, and I just hope it is, and I hope you all look at what I've prepared, make your own decisions. I appreciate you giving us the opportunity. Jim, Jim, have they received this yet? Who? No, nobody's received that. It I got it. 11 copies there. Oh, perfect.
10: Well, we're going to make one of them part of the record. We'll distribute the other
2: to the commissioners. Thank we'll
10: you know very Mr. much. Stevens one. Thank you, sir. Here
2: go. I would have. I would have. <laughs> went into a lot of this, I but it's called Hudson. When you're old <laughs> and you got a lot of problems, I got. Uh, I can't hear I for one thing, <laughs> and I and I'm. Taking four insulin shots a day, and that's why I'm having trouble standing here. But other than that, enough complaints. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
0: Enjoy your grandchildren.
2: I will.
10: Karen uh, Mary.
12: Good evening, commissioners. Um, thank you for the opportunity to come here. I am I'm at uh, Karen Mary 125 Bluebell Court in Chester, and I'm not used to doing this. So I'm a little nervous, but I will say that um, I love this island. I love the Cross Island Trail. My husband and I are year-round users of it. Um, I rediscovered bicycling last couple years, and we use it all the time. So when I were, was driving past the, uh, the uh, sign, I looked at the what it was specifying, and I thought, you know, no way. It just sounds kind of big for the area. And um, my concern is what it will do to the Cross Island Trail, um, what it will do to the surrounding neighbors, of which I'm one. That you have this, it just doesn't seem compatible for the scope of that that trail. And I have concerns because that's one of the things we love is being able to enjoy this beautiful island and having that space so I am concerned about the access and uh, that's really I want to say thank you very much thank you
10: thank
12: you you. Steve Pringle hi
25: uh, Steve Pringle 480 Webfoot Lane in Stevensville I thought I was a lot further down the list I wasn't ready yet Um, for the record my testimony is going to be redundant um, I think uh, I think that redundancy is kind of key here. When you have people saying the same things over and over and over again, it should give, give you a picture of uh, how people feel. We are the community. You represent us. Please do so in this manner um, by uh, looking at all the evidence. I don't want I don't want this to be built here. Mr. Stevens sat here and explained to us tonight um, all of the examples of. Um, the uh, growth allocation that's been changed, he did so, as evidence as to why this one should be also. I say, look at all that evidence. Look at all the growth allocation we've already done. Where does it stop? I draw the line in the sand here tonight with this project. I don't think we need further growth allocation um, that changes uh, the use of uh, any critical areas, uh, especially for a project of, the size of this size. Um, this, you know, myself and my neighbors. Um, have asked our local HOA uh, to put in a cement patio or expand our driveway by 18 inches. We've been told no because it's impervious surface. Talking 18 inches of driveway just so I get a little bit extra parking spot. Okay, I get it. Um, I let it go. Look at the size of this project. We're gonna turn our our eye the other way. I I don't think this project should be built. Um, With that said, please uh, please take that in consideration and decide wisely, please.
10: Thank you. Uh, Robert Thompson.
23: Good evening. Uh, my name is Robert Thompson. I'm a resident of 154 Carriage East in Chester. That is in Gibsons Grant. And uh, the thing that I just wanted to state, and maybe a little redundant, but we're going from a limited development and resource conservation area to a four-story, probably 50-foot-high building, uh, 156,000 square foot, and it's a warehouse. Uh, I think this is a pretty extreme change, and I think there are a lot of other uses for that uh, property. Uh, And again, just if you all go out there and look, I really don't think it's consistent with everything else in that neighborhood. So thank you. Thank you. Jean
10: Sadler.
6: I'm Jean Sadler, and uh, I've lived with my husband in Graysonville at 805 Long Point Road for the past 28 years. Since we moved here in 1994, this area has grown exponentially, and our shorelines and critical areas are disappearing rapidly. The QAC Comprehensive Plan stresses the need to preserve our critical area land use and has designated certain areas as limited development for that purpose. Therefore, I strongly oppose the approval of a Chesapeake Bay critical area land use change from limited to intense development for the proposed armored storage building adjacent to Piney Creek and the Cross Island Trail. The proposed building will encroach on the adjoining forest area, affecting the already scarce habitat areas remaining on the island for our disappearing wildlife. The monolithic scale of the proposed storage building will dwarf the properties on either side of it, with Mr. Hudson's yard only being 20 feet away from the four story building. The developer acquired all the parcels after critical area regulations were established and is now asking the county to change long established shoreline regulations so they can realize financial gain. If this change is approved it will set a precedent that will allow commercial buildings of this size and scale to crop up anywhere a piece of land can accommodate them because they can change county critical area land use. I don't believe this is honoring the purpose of the QAC Comprehensive Plan. When allowing new development, growth allocations should take into consideration the economic advantages to the county. Will this storage facility provide meaningful jobs to warrant granting its application? Will it fulfill a need in the county for more storage? Or are there many current facilities already adequate for our area? The facility is planned for 1,100 storage units. Can current Kent Island storage companies compete with this facility? There's a reason for designating critical area land use as limited development. Changing the designation to intense development to appease developers desires to build bigger and bigger commercial buildings and or residential developments will lead to the demise of the environmentally sensitive land bordering our beautiful Chesapeake Bay and surrounding tributaries. We will see significant changes in the coming years as a new bridge is built and the freeway is expanded with additional lanes and impervious surfaces. Maintaining existing long-standing critical area regulations is more important than ever. Please remain faithful to the intent of the QAC Uh, plan and deny this request. Thank you.
10: Uh, Joshua
11: Willis.
26: (coughs) My name is Joshua Willis. I live at 99 Annapolis View Road, lifelong Kent Island resident. Um, I was hoping before I get going, if you guys could clarify, I do have one question, and I was a little confused through this, will any of our any RCA area be removed or um, altered with this? I was none at all okay, all right, thank you. So I hear all the time that I'm against all development on Kent Island. I'm sure some of you that know me have heard that as well. Um, this is a prime example of where I'm not. I'm actually not against the whole idea of what's going in. I'm just against the massive amount of what is being planned here. We have critical area restrictions for a reason, and we should respect them and the wildlife they, that they protect. I'm not fully, I am I'm in full belief that a property owner should be able to do he, what he wants with his property within the zoning guidelines. However, I am completely against the idea of rezoning something to allow that. So the 1.4 acres of surrounding woodland to be removed will displace deer, turkey, hawks, turtles, bald eagles. I see them every week that I walk through there. Some of you may remember when Four Seasons began removing woodland and all the wild turkeys ran up to McDonald's and almost jetted into the highway. People saw them all over the Cross Island Trail and who knows where they ended up, but the point I'm making is that according to the World Animal Foundation, 137 animals, plants, and insects go extinct every day from deforestation. The reason that we have these critical area protections is to prevent that from happening worldwide. So again, while I'm not against this development as a whole, I just don't really understand why it just can't be downsized to fit in with this current zoning and not rezone something to allow something to be bigger. After all, there is a reason that 15% of land use is intended for this specific area. So, um, I respectfully request that you turn this proposal down and just call for the applicants to return with something that fits within the allowed zoning.
10: And that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Andrea Kinder.
27: Uh, good evening, commissioners. I'm Andrea Kinder. I'm from Hanover, Maryland, but I'm here representing uh, Advantage Self Storage. Um, Uh, I'm going to go ahead, and uh, you guys should have received an email from the president, Jeff Kinder, um, but I was able to attend today, so I'll go ahead and and go through our points. Um, So we have four self-storage properties on Kent Island that we purchased in 2001. Um, Jeff Kinder, um, he's been in the industry since 1987, he was part of public storage, which is one of the biggest REITs, you know, in the world. Um, He served there as national director of marketing, Um, he was COO of Canadian. Uh, warehouse Ltd. and Vice President Operations, there and started Advantage. Um, our Kent Island acquisitions were second purchase as we began, began building the Advantage Company in 2000. I'm on the board of directors, or he's on the board of directors for Maryland Self Storage and Colorado uh, Self Storage Association. Um, so those are his, you know, his background. Um, second, I want to talk about numbers. Um, you know, we had the developers saying we need storage, um, but according to you know national average. Um, the national average is approximately eight square feet per person in a trade area. Recent developments in trade areas with a similar ratio have run it up to a mature operating level over a two year period. Some developments in trade areas with an average uh, two, eight or greater have taken three to four years um, with the new projects to actually mature and, and um, you know, reach maturity or have not reached maturity within three to four years. Um, Trade areas are usually measured uh, within three to five miles. Uh, Because this is a more rural area, it's five to seven miles. Um, Currently, uh, within our five-mile radius of Chester and Stevensville, uh, we're at 12.53 square feet per person, and our rating is competitive. With the uh, subject property, it pushes us up to 18.52 square feet per person, which means we're in a saturated market in terms of too much competition. Um, if you look at the seven mile radius, because we are a rural environment, uh, currently we're at 23.41 square feet per person, which means we're overbuilt. And uh, with the subject property, it pushes up to 28.34 square feet per person. So that's well over eight. Um, you know, our company has operated with mature, but not exceptional occupancies in, basically been in the 80s, um, 80%. You know, over the years. Increasing self-storage capacity by over 50% uh, will certainly have a debilitating impact on Ken Island and Graysonville stores as well as Queenstown. Only the developer can determine whether they think the risk-reward of a new store in an already competitive market is worth it. Uh, he can say with confidence, however, that the people of Queen Anne's County are well served by the existing supply. Um, our third point is the ethics and community i'm sure we already talked everyone's talked about and expressed passionately about the critical area environmental protections the save the bay impacts of the surface water retention and the impact of riparian zone uh, which is the subject property would encroach and the fact that it's a tallest structure um, on the gateway to the eastern shore um, light you know light pollution um, traffic all that kind of stuff and Ma'am, if you
4: want to if you want to submit the rest of
12: your yes, presentation to us yep your three minutes Let me is up
8: and it's actually um that was also submitted by email which you read so we do have that have, we have that we already haven't. okay, okay. thank it's, it's it's you yep. uh, Barry
5: Waterman uh, Barry Waterman Centerville Maryland Uh, I've been in the local real estate industry for roughly 40 years and I would tell you that over that period of time, there has probably never been a significant proposal in Queen Anne's County that wasn't too big, too ugly, or wasn't going to ruin the area for, for some reason. Yet, looking back, the industrial park is a tremendous employment center and a huge asset to Queen Anne's County. Gibson's Grant, Four Seasons fantastic communities full of wonderful people who pay a lot of money in taxes. So this shouldn't be about do we like or not like the process, the project. It should be about does it meet or not meet the criteria. And the first thing on that is that the critical area ordinance was never intended nor does it prohibit growth in a critical area. All it is is an overlay zone that creates additional requirements for any development that does take place there. Growth allocation was part of the critical area law when it was originally passed in 1984. And it's always been intended to be there as a way for counties to have a certain amount of growth. Is there a line in the sand? Is there an end to growth allocation? Absolutely. You have, I don't know, roughly 800 acres of growth allocation for the rest of time in Queen Anne's County. So what you should be doing is saying, does this, does this project before you for growth allocation check all the boxes? Is there a community benefit? Uh, in this case to not only donate land, but the taxes on this every year have got to be, I don't know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 a year. And how much services does it require? Virtually nothing. How much sewer does it use up? Virtually nothing. A whole lot less need for a project like this than 100 apartments that could go on that same property. Uh, in terms of how is it too big or not too big, I really think that, that the county needs to take a longer view of development. We need to maximize the development on each piece of property so that we can maintain undeveloped properties as much as possible. If, you, if there is a need, and I have no idea whether there's a need for this much storage, but if there's a need for this much storage, and I, I would say that I doubt very many developers would go build something where there's no need, but if there's a need for this much storage and it's not built in a four-story building, it's going to be built in four one-story buildings, use four times as much ground, have four times the impact that this has. Um, it's a fact that in the critical area ordinance they have to improve water quality after construction than before construction. So there is no question that this is this is not going to be bad for the environment. Is it going to eat up some trees? Absolutely. Is it is there a deer or, or a squirrel or any number of other animals living there? Certainly. Yet if there's a demand for this you all have to balance that. So if they check all the boxes of a law that's been on the books since 1984. You're not changing anything. You're just using the law as it's proposed to be used to determine this is a valid use of this property. Thank you.
10: Thank you. That's the last person on the list, but I guess we need to address (coughs) the uh, correspondence you read. I think you got some up in Zoom, too. We have two people in Zoom. Oh, I'm sorry.
16: Uh, Our first comments come from Bob Zilly.
11: Hello, can you guys see me okay? Yes. Okay, thank you
28: all for giving me my three minutes. Um, so I guess for commissioners and our county leaders, I think you're faced with the decision of deciding whether 30 plus years of critical area environmental protections will be changed from limited to intense development, allowing the structure to be built. The developer has effectively worked within this system to pursue this business venture and it's within their rights to ask for growth allocation however just because the project is in the growth area is considered redevelopment and has water and sewage doesn't mean you have to say yes to weakening the long-standing environmental protections by granting intense development status on one hand you might say it's only 2.8 2.8 acres 3 acres but that's exactly the concern especially for these infill less than 20-acre, non-adjacency, intense development commercial projects. What would Ken Island look like if the county remaining 360 acres of growth application was granted out in a similar way? Enabling these pop-up commercial developments within the critical area all along Route 50, growth Court, through Kent Island and Gresonville. Would we become like a Glen Burnie on the Eastern Shore? Encouraging this type of infill, standalone commercial developments only contributes the to the spread of commercial sprawl through the center of Canada Is this what our community wants? It's creating the compre- in creating a comprehensive plan, the county solicited incorporated community input. The result is a plan that has many qualitative statements about protecting sensitive critical areas, shorelines, managing impervious services, strengthening sense of community and managing infill developments, promoting resiliency and protecting scenic beauty and woodlands, all of which is inconsistent with this proposal. Are these qualitative strategies just aspirational comments or window dressing put into the comprehensive plan? Many of the development decisions contributing to commercial and residential growth on Ken Island have occurred before your tenure, but this decision is yours alone to weigh. Is this proposal adding substantial economic benefit to our community? Is it consistent with the guiding principles and environmental stewardship vision of our comprehensive plan? Is the Chesapeake Bay critical area really the right place for this type and scale of commercial facility? In closing, our community looks to your leadership to decide whether this project at this location is the right decision for Ken Island. Please ask yourself, While our community driving past on Route 50 or cycling along the Cross Island Trail, understand why this massive facility was so critically needed that it had to be shoehorned into the critical area. What makes Kent Island so special and unique is that it's an island. We need to protect the environmentally sensitive critical areas that surround our island from excessive commercial encroachment so that future generations can enjoy what we enjoy today. Thank you for your consideration.
16: And our second comment is going to come from Andrew Costello.
29: Hi, everybody. Really hard to follow so many um, great speakers so far. Uh, My name is Andrew Costello. I reside at 142 Carriage Heath uh, within Gibson's Grant as well. Uh, And I'm asking the commission here tonight to decline the request for growth allocation uh, to reassign this land from LDA to IDA. Um, As a county, we've enacted laws to limit the size and footprint of facilities within the county to retain our pastoral atmosphere and minimize the impact of our developments on the surrounding environment. As discussed during Mr. Stevens' presentation earlier, other projects within the Kent Island area, such as Gibson's Grant, have undergone extensive rework and accommodation to maintain the size and scale of our community with water as as a natural boundary on all four sides. My concerns with this project include several significant issues that will impact the neighbors throughout the Kent Island community. One, from an architectural perspective, the developers did concede the addition of Bermuda shutters, but I would challenge that the current design includes no consideration or reference to the local and well-documented architectural history of the Eastern Shore. This building looks no different than any other big box in any other community across our country. And I would respectfully ask the county commissioners to consider whether the building blends in with the historical and local building aesthetic. Secondly, from a light pollution concern, there have been several pre-existing facilities on Piney Creek that have deployed updated LED lighting that cause excessive spillover and light pollution onto the neighboring properties uh, and which is visible from several miles away. I would ask that the board uh, require whatever lighting is deployed on the property be confined to the property and avoid turning this residential neighborhood into a commercial hub. From a traffic consideration perspective, the road currently lacks the infrastructure for two-way traffic and the Cross Island Trail merging into the roadway uh, as others have noted here on the discussion. even with the current proposed roadway extension and their assessment of only 25 vehicles per hour, this is likely to increase more than 100 fold uh, of vehicles currently using the road today. I would ask the county commissioners request uh, and require extensive traffic studies be conducted to ensure that our county infrastructure can support the commercial use of what is now currently residential land. And fourthly, um, the area of the property is identified by the Maryland Historic Trust as the site for QA359, uh, the Nash House site. Even earlier maps showed there were likely communities of oystermen that lived in the area, and I would encourage the commissioners to require exploration of the history of the site before proceeding with any redevelopment. As a voting resident of the county and neighbor to the development, I would strongly encourage the county commissioners require further exploration of the size, architecture, design, lighting, traffic, historical, and environmental impacts before granting approval to move forward with granting growth allocation for the property from LDA to IDA to allow the facility nearly twice the size of target uh, that recently opened with significant discussion uh, thank you very much
30: i just missed the sign and sheet you want me to sign yeah. thank you
10: thank
30: you good evening commissioners Uh, my name is Annie Richards I am the Chester Riverkeeper with Shore Rivers in Chestertown Today I'm uh, requesting that the commissioners deny this petition for growth allocation and leave Kent Island's critical area intact. Shore Rivers actually recommends that intense development areas granted through growth allocation in critical areas should be reserved for government and emergency services only. Um, this is because this critical area is and imperative buffer for improving water quality, for absorbing flooding from the floodplain, which protects communities that live near the water, but also it filters nutrients and pollutants that head from our communities and from our land and our watershed into the river. This parcel located within the critical area contains marshland, woodland habitat, and other sensitive areas that Queen Anne's County seeks to protect per its comprehensive plan. The impervious surface of a 156,000 square foot building will impact the surrounding sensitive areas, which absorb, filter, and treat stormwater runoff before it enters local waterways. According to stack documents provided by county staff last summer, this plan fails to avoid sensitive areas and requires special authorizations to encroach on them. The proposed development includes encroachments that eliminate woodland habitat, transitional habitats, and encroach on the natural floodplain. These transitional habitats are critical for protecting water quality in the Chester River and serve as a buffer for neighboring communities from flooding and other impacts from climate change. Um, I can't um, emphasize enough. Uh, I support Bob Zelig's testimony um, in, in terms of us evaluating the qualitative statements that we have in our comprehensive plan. I think a lot of work, tremendous amount of work had gone into creating the environmental water resources chapter of the comprehensive plan. Um, and I often find myself here in this position advocating uh, against development product projects that don't seem to uphold the values that we've placed in our comprehensive plan under the environmental chapter. Um, so uh, I would also add that um, Partnering environmental organization, QACA, uh, supports this position. Um, And with that, thank you for your consideration.
16: All right. Uh, Commissioners, we had 79 emails come in. So we're going to kind of summarize the people that were for and the people that were against and why they were for or against it. UNDER THE COUNTY COMMISSIONER'S PRESS AND PUBLIC COMMENT EMAIL WE RECEIVED 16 EMAILS OPPOSING THE ARMORED STORAGE SELF PROJECT, SELF-STORAGE PROJECT. 13 OF THE 16 EMAILS WERE AGAINST THIS DUE TO THE ARMORED STORAGE UNIT BEING A FOUR-STORY BUILDING AND IT WAS SAID THAT IT WOULD BE AN EYESORE TO THE GIBSON'S GRANT COMMUNITY AND THE CROSS ISLAND TRAIL AND THE NEGATIVE ENVIRONMENTAL IMPACT THIS PROJECT WOULD HAVE. THE PEOPLE WHO SUBMITTED THAT EMAIL WERE SARAH BROCCOLINO, Catherine DONOVAN, JOYCE MCKENZIE, BOB WILLIS, DENNIS Leahy, DEBORAH Grohlman. James Perico, Sheila Willis, Neil Bates, Fred Koch, Joshua Willis, Kelly Wong, and Teresa Tamburino. We then had three opposing emails who were against this project due to the number of storage facilities already located on Kent Island. They were from Leslie Perico, Leslie Ruth, and Laura Lujanbeal-White, and then we also had a voicemail in opposition from David Ruth. We then received 14 emails supporting the armored, storage self, armored self-storage project. How
3: many persons did
16: you say? 14. Fourteen. These emails state that there's a lack of climate-controlled self-storage facilities in this area, that the storage units that are available from other self-storage businesses are small, as someone stated they had to rent numerous units just to accommodate their storage needs. And due to the number of apartments being built in the area, there is a need for more self-storage units, as apartments have smaller storage space. Uh, these emails were submitted from the Queens County Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors, Barry Waterman, Chris Connolly, Brad Hall, Susan Vienna, Justin Kiernan, Janice Hiraida, Gloria Piethman, Albi Kimball, Mark Shelby, Donald Braden, Kenneth Roderick, Thomas Norman, and Rob Marsh. In addition to the press and public comment email, there were forty-nine emails sent to the County Commissioner's Office and the County Administration's inbox. Uh, forty-seven were in opposition and two emails were in support. The forty-seven people that were in opposition were David and Kathy Ayrol, Vasilika Arnandu and Arjaska, Eric and Catherine Birnbaum, Susan Buckingham, Laura Connor, Bente Cooney, Kim Couch, Ginger Cushing, Tom Davies, Frank DiGi Leonardo, Linda Elias, Chuck Elkins, Melissa Garcia, Marian Greer, Margaret Hardy, Sheila Herman, Valerie and Thom Hirsch, Cheryl Hyuk, Lenny and uh, Janine Jackamowicz, Gaila Jane, Jennifer Jeffries, Jeff Kinder, Jamie and Tracy Kinzel, Erica Krishkin, Amerilis Lanero, Joanne McMillan, William McWitt, Lynn Mason, Dawn and John McKnight, Molly Miles, Barbara North, Diana Petrowick, John Pringle, Annie Richards, Steve Roman, Katherine Shanasi, Heather Skipper, Cheryl Smija, Kim and Rob Solomon, Sonia, Catherine Tingwall, Dave and Debbie Tolbert, Carol Tripp, Robert Wesker, Michael Williams, Scott and Linda Zetterstrom, and Bob Zielig. The two who were in support, were David Azer and Laura Fortnoy.
8: Thank you, Bruce. <coughs> and all those emails we
10: part of the record. Part of the record, yes. yeah.
0: Jeff, do you want to see if anybody else wants to testify yeah. that Miss signing? Anyone up? else
10: like the opportunity?
0: We could come on, come on oh, up yeah. and sign the record. If anybody else wants to speak, please come on up now. You can sign while, while she's...
14: Uh, I'm Susan Vianna, and I live at 2216 Piney Creek Road. Um, he, I sent my email in, he put mine in as about storage facilities, but I live right across the street from Nash Court, right on Piney Creek Road, um, and I've watched them work on this development, and Mr. Hudson and I and his family are probably the most being impacted by this. And um, I think this is probably the best use of this storage, this area right there. It's going to be not noise, not a lot of impact, not a lot of traffic. I live and work, run my business right there. So I'm there 24-7. So I would encourage you to approve the growth allocation. There have been other things that they've been thinking of doing, there's going to be townhouses there, assisted living, all kinds of things that probably more impactful to our little area there. So um, um, I would. like you to improve the growth allocation. Thank you. Thank you.
10: Roland Voigt. It didn't take you long to
9: get up there. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Roland Voigt. I live at 713 Cloverfields Drive in Stevensville. Uh, my wife and I, we use that trail every single day, uh, riding our bikes or walking one or the other. Um, and we're senior citizens from here on Kent Island. And, I'm confused because they're saying there's a big need for storage, but yet we have six storage facilities on Kent Island right now, plus others that are right in Graysonville, just on the other side of the Narrows Bridge. So I really don't see the need for another storage facility on Kent Island, especially something that big that's going to encroach on the wetlands where we see so much wildlife every day when we go down through there. There's deer out there feeding in those fields right where they're talking about putting this facility every night. A whole herd of deer. Now you're gonna misplace them? You know, there's, We're running out of places for the deer on this island. There are beautiful deer on this island. There's over 300 species of birds on this island. You're taking away more area for the birds. So please deny this, thank you.
16: Any other take? Uh, we did have someone, sorry, on Zoom that turned on the camera, but I wasn't sure if they wanted to make comment. So, if Susan, if uh, in Zoom, if you could just wave if you're here to make comment. Okay, perfect. One second.
22: Hi, I'm Susan Buckingham. I live in Chester, Maryland. Um, I'm very familiar with the area that would be impacted here as it's on the Cross Island Trail, as everyone has said, uh, a heavily used recreational facility that uh, amenity that we have here on Kent Island. Um, What some people may know, um, but no one has mentioned, which is a little bit different from, from what everybody else has said, is that about a half a mile from there on the water is a heronry um, that I suspect would be heavily impacted by a large construction project like this. Um, And I think it's close enough that it would definitely disturb the heronry there um, on the point of land sort of opposite Gibson's grant there. Um, And so I wrote an email and I'm just reiterating now that I ask you to uh, deny this change in zoning. Thanks.
2: Anyone else?
10: All right, Mr. Stevens, you asked for an opportunity to close or yes. address issues that came up.
15: Yeah. I, it- and I, I would relinquish that opportunity
10: to let Mr. Schultz speak. He's the one who is one of the
15: owners. And uh, and so I'll relinquish that. If Mr. Schultz will come up and address you all.
4: Mr. Schultz, in all fairness, please keep it to three minutes.
2: If
23: that's possible. <laughs> uh, well I don't even know where to start. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of misinformation. The trail is really not going to be impacted. In fact, it's going to be approved upon the trail where it comes out of the woods and hits Ponte Creek Road is only 25 feet of trail there. And we're going to widen that road. We'll restripe the trail. We'll make it safe there. Whatever capacity is needed when we go through our site plan with the county. Um, You know, the competition thing, I think it's a silly argument. Um, Actually, I'd be in favor of that if if competition was a factor in all business decisions. So if we're going to use that as a as a as a um, factor, I would say I'm in favor of it. That means no more restaurants no more hotels, no more marinas, we have enough. But it's a little disingenuous for a, an owner to sit up here and say we got enough that's it's very self-serving. So I think the competition takes care of its, itself. Um, we've got a number of people in the um, Long Point development that are against our project because uh, was admitted to me by one of the staunch opponents of this project that they're they've got, I don't know, 10 or 12 other people opposing this project because they're loading their guns before a project that's coming before them at Long Point Road. And as admitted, he admitted to me, I think, in fact, I wrote it down. that he said, Jody, I don't give a damn about your project. I can't even see your project from my house. All I care about is the project, the boat facility that's coming on in front of our project. So I think that's a little disingenuous. Um, I don't know if you had any questions. I mean, we've worked hard on this. You know, this doesn't come easily. We've been working on this for two years, through several renditions of apartments and um, condos. We had an assisted living facility. We even had a hotel we were going to put there at one time, and and uh, we eliminated all those proposals because we felt like this was the best in there. Um, Mr. Clow, who's going to be develop, who's going to be building the pro- project, has several self-storage units and this is an indoor self-storage facility now when we say there's 10 or 11 up and down the road that's true but they're all outdoor unsightly roll up garage door up units and the one uh, opponent here that we had from advantage i mean if you want to talk about unsightly on a trail when you walk down that and look at the back of their building i think they should probably take a look around back if they're really concerned with the appearance of a building because it's not very appealing. No stormwater control that I see on the back of that building in particular. So um, I think Mr. Cloud's gonna come up and and make some comments. But this is indoor climate controlled self storage. There's only one facility in the county like that. And it is, I called the other day and the lady said, She had five units, and if I didn't get up there by the weekend, she probably would have none. So, thank, thank
15: you. you. I'll just say that Mr. Clow's here in case you have questions. He doesn't have anything more that needs to be <clears throat> said. But if you have questions for him as the owner and operator, <clears throat> um, he's here.
2: I do.
0: No?
10: No?
21: Thank
10: you. We're good. Commissioners, your your ball game. I mean the option is you can you have a vote tonight. You can option to um, table it to a later time. I would suggest if you table it that you either close the hearing tonight or pick a time when you know you're not going to take additional evidence. So we know when we're done.
0: Well we're definitely going to close the hearing tonight and we are going to take emails and if we will still take the information if anybody wants to email something we have not heard already. And I think we've covered you know the basis on this and we're gonna hold this for two weeks and we'll vote at our next meeting. Great. Thank you, Commissioner.
17: Right. Thank, you.
0: Thank you for coming out. Uh, it's
3: actually three weeks right? Yeah. Yeah. Technically.
0: Yeah. 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 Technically it's three weeks. Yeah. 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 Three weeks.
11: Okay. That's the key.
10: Yeah.
15: Is this part your Yes. Sydney yes. yes. on yes. 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 Thanks for the time. Thank you
27: very much. I
0: appreciate the indulgence. Thank okay. you. That's just the outline, of So do you have that back? Just these
3: action items, like three.
0: We're still got to have a meeting, so if you could take it to the hallway, please. Thank you. You
3: yeah. did an admirable job going
12: into that,
3: Jeff. You came on a good night tonight. Thank you, to you. Yeah. Thank you gentlemen. I'll be telling Pat he's going to make sure he gets
1: here next time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that first one was tough. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. All right, commissioners. I right. turn back to uh, tab number three. Finish out our action items for this evening. We've got a few left to go here.
13: I'm sorry. What tab? Uh, tab number
1: three. Action items. Tab three. Uh, we left off with number seven. Number seven. Yes. So please turn to tab three, <coughs> item seven, page 29 through 34, and this is a. Uh, Uh, property lien nuisance violation as resolution 2302 uh, for unmanaged high vegetation on property owned by Palmer Council
8: at 1118 Price Station Road. I move that we approve resolution 23-02 to place a lien on the property located at 1118 Price Station Road, Price, Maryland in the amount of $400. Second.
0: We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Yes.
3: Far away. That one's close to my house. So I'm going to look at that one ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't Jack mow the
13: lawn? <laughs> that's a good point. I, no, you know, I don't really, I don't really, really have uh, anything on to spot. So so I question. really should get out there and mow the lawns. My, my real question is Is this person a repeat? person like the last person this is years that they yeah, do but, this to us I, I don't know or is this a one-off most
3: of them are repeat offenders uh, how, how can I get if you, that? if you would like that we can I, have that when we get these I would to find I would, out the I, background
13: I would like that information in the background if they're not paying their bills and it's the same one for the second the next one too right. mm-hmm. out of curiosity because you're well if it's if it's a first-time huh? uh, Issue, I would not vote for it. If it if they're a repeat like the last person was, then I would vote to um, put the link. So on.
4: so um, I'm pretty sure that they're sent several notifications. It's not sent one notification to cut your grass, it's several notifications that keep going out to the same homeowner or the owner of the property on record, and yet nothing is ever done.
8: Yeah, even if it's the first time we had to cut it, we don't just go Cut it or someone notice and go cut it. We're told them there's a violation here. if you don't do it, we're going to mow it. And then when we mow it, we say we had to mow it, you got to pay, or there will be a lien against your property. I would just like
13: to request that we have, yeah, the understood. History. Sure, no, yeah. that we have that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah Each person we're putting a lien on. Yeah. You that's got all. absolutely, that's all. all right.
0: Okay, all right, we got two of them, right. Yep, we got to vote on well, that. we have a motion yeah. on the floor. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we did. <laughs> all right, we have a motion to second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed?
1: 5-0. vote. right, Commissioners. Item number 8, uh, pages 35 through 40 is nuisance violation 2303 uh, for unmanaged high vegetation on property owned by Arlene Williams located at 117 Coleman Drive. Move to
3: we approve resolution 2303 to place lien on the property located 117 Coleman Drive, Chestertown, Maryland, amount of three hundred dollars. Second.
0: We have a motion to second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved.
1: Five-0. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number nine on pages 41 and 42 is our rural legacy priority area memorandum and uh, Donna Smith is here. Donna Landis Smith. Uh, this one we have two rural legacy areas as you know, Lands End and Forman Branch and each year we sort of designate which one is our priority uh, for the coming grant cycle and I believe Donna was recommending Lands End for this next cycle? Correct. Mm-hmm.
3: Very good. I move to choose the Lands End Rural Legacy Area as priority for FY 24 funding. Second.
0: I have a motion to second. Any discussion? I'll say that we're getting ready to talk about the money next, so we don't need to do that. So let's get the easy one out. That's right. (laughs) All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed?
1: So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item number 10 on pages 43 and 44 is our uh, mouth matching funds program. Um, This is uh, an annual request where we use uh, funds that we collect for agricultural land preservation and uh, for state matching funds and also uh, we're looking for a general fund contribution this year so I'll, I'll turn it over to Donna let her explain all the specifics on this one
31: good evening Commissioners um, the new regular annual request for the matching funds uh, is a maximum match of 1.3 million three hundred thirty three thousand three hundred thirty three dollars we're actually starting off with a little more than what we did last year as far as our initial allocation. The state is telling us that we're going to have roughly $1.3 million. Last year it was $892,000. So we're starting out <clears throat> with roughly about $500,000 more. Um, we were able to secure through the agricultural transfer tax $354,900. And the solar receipts were $165,470. So if we were able to um, use some funds from the general fund in the amount of $812,963, we would be able to secure the dollars, which would give us an additional $2 million match from the state. So we would start at $4.6 million plus, which is great, and just by my rough calculations, that would get us eight out of the thirteen farms we submitted in the first round.
3: Really nice. Yes. All right. Yeah. I move to approve three hundred fifty-four thousand nine hundred agricultural transfer tax, one hundred sixty-five thousand four hundred seventy solar tax receipts, and eight hundred twelve thousand nine sixty-three in general fund transfer for a total of one million three hundred thirty-three thousand three hundred thirty-three dollars towards the mouth matching funds program. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion?
8: Are you familiar with enough you want to get an explanation of what this is to help you out
31: yeah you? good evening I left your voicemail in case if you wanted to meet with me at some point in time so we can get down to the nitty-gritty basically MAUF is the Maryland Ag Land Preservation Foundation funded through the Maryland Department of Agriculture and the funding comes from the AG transfer tax when an individual owns an agricultural zone piece of property and they take a piece of that out and put it into residential use or solar tax use they pay a five percent tax that funds land preservation. The reason why um, our funding was so big this year, we had a farm in the northern part of the county that's going to be um, transferred over to solar, so they have to pay that five percent tax as well.
13: How many acres is that?
31: Uh, roughly around 700. 700, yeah,
13: yes, yeah, it's a big one. 700 of solar, yes, yeah.
31: I, I don't know if that would be entirely the th- solar. It probably has a lot of okay. roads, fences. Which Excuse one me. Is it? Uh, farm on Blanco Road. So it would have, of course, the uh, the substation that would be part of it. The roads. Is
13: that Mark or Jonathan?
31: John. Correct. Yes. And he sold the entire farm to the solar company. Yeah. So he's not doing a lease for the and third year. And then
13: they're going to sell it to. Amazon,
31: whatever, and that well, no, I think it's slotted specifically for solar, so they would sell it to probably a power company, whether it be Dominion Electric or Washington Electric or Delmarva Power. I don't know, that would be entirely up to the solar company. So that's how we derive our ag transfer tax, and those solar farms, once they're in place and they're on the books, they also pay an annual fee. To the county, and the first million dollars of those fees is dedicated towards land preservation.
8: So, we're number two for land preservation in
13: the state. Yes. Yes. So, getting back to the solar part on 404, Mm -hmm. who owns that solar farm? And are we getting five percent from them?
31: That is only when it's transferred over from ag use into the commercial use.
13: No,
3: we get a personal property tax from them, correct they pay a personal property tax where you're that's where you're generating the Do we know who owns that?
31: That's still owned by the property owners Lowen farms.
3: Okay. See they have to they have to follow schedule one every year Patrick that shows the uh, actual value of the solar panels on the property the personal property taxes then calculated based on that we have a pilot program in place that's a payment of lieu of taxes when you have the larger ones coming if they want to negotiate at a higher rate on a shorter term that's made available we haven't had anybody take us up on that yet but and we also don't have uh, right now the the one uh, I believe BB Knights farm has right. not even been recognized within that yet because the Schedule A the Schedule 1 has not been filed that's and that good. one's going to be that one's yeah, going to be sizable
31: it. yes that's still owned by um, Knight Farms LLC so he uh, he's on a limited and I don't know the terms of the agreement so it would be probably a 30-year contract
3: typically
13: that's what they're running Yeah. yeah so um i was talking with a farmer in kent county and this is the way he laid it out for me he said that the solar company comes in and they lease the his his acreage correct and it's huge compared to corn he ends up transferring it to another solar company they sell it to amazon or Target or somebody, they purchase it or they lease it from them because they get the carbon neutral Yeah, the green, the green points, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. right, they get the green, they get the, the right. green points right. yep. instead of putting it on their own stores. Instead of Target putting it on their stores, they're buying chunks of land in Kent. So, the, the landowner so does they, not. They probably just lease just it like the TDRs for TDRs. the TDRs. generation. They don't even have to buy the farm. Or, or, yeah. or purchase it. Right it's a huge win for the farmer that's for sure
31: yeah and the farmer doesn't actually do the negotiations It's the solar company that does that right so the, so the, the
3: premise behind why we do what we do with the solar tax patrick just so you know is because when you if you were to develop that same 700 acres into a commercial shopping mall you would get the uh development would be based on the value of that mall when it was built Right. So if you took an average farmland that's in the ag where it's getting 50% of the existing property tax rate, right? You put a mall in there. Now it's commercial. Now you're getting the full boat on a $100 million mall. But what's happening is these solar companies from out of town were coming in here wanting to buy 600 acre farms, put in $80 million solar projects and still pay the 50% of the value of the ag land. So we looked at it and there was happened to be a loophole in the Comar and said, you know what? this is just like building a shopping mall because you're taking our arable farmland which is grade one soil which is very valuable and you want to put this here for 30 years so you need to pay the fare to put it here for 30 years and the idea was put it right back into preservation elsewhere because you cannot develop solar on preserved land you got to remember that so anything that gets preserved cannot
13: have solar I get it but they're also not going to build a mall in Church Hill right Right. they're not going to put a mall in Engleside.
31: Keep in right. mind these are conditional uses. It's not an automatic, in right. because you own a farm that you can put commercial solar. In. Oh, yeah, we, we yeah. put solar. You have to go that. through the whole yeah, process. Whether well, well,
8: well, or not they solar, that's not what Ghana does, but what she does is she collects the money when they do do that and then we, we right. use that to leverage money from the state to make sure more land is preserved so there's less land available that can be controlled. She's actually solar protecting us from
3: more solar, is what yeah. she's <laughs> doing. She is, she is. It's so around about So, so
9: Donna, more
4: we preserve,
3: more got. can't be solar here. So
4: Donna, share, share with Patrick um, where we rank uh, with the other counties in the state of Maryland as far as land preservation. We
31: are ranked number two in the state. We are behind Carroll County, by roughly around 12,000 acres. We have over 115 farms on a waiting list to be funded which is about roughly around 25,000 acres just through the mouth program the rural legacy program that you just approved the um, priority area there's two areas within the county those are almost 35,000 acres and I just did the grants today that will be turned in uh, the 1st of February and I have 23 properties on those lists waiting to get funded as well this past year we were um, awarded $1.3 million from the Department of Natural Resources for Rural Legacy and that has zero county dollars. in
4: it. So go over just briefly with Patrick as well, how the farms qualify and how they, how they establish their, sure. their rank or where they sit in that list of priority.
31: So when I initially meet with a the landowner, they come in and they say, Hey, we'd like to put our farm into land preservation. The first part of the criteria is you have to own at least 50 acres. If you own less than 50 acres you have to be directly adjacent next to a preserve farm that's already in land preservation. Then we do a soil evaluation so we look at the property and it's tillable land which they farm and woodland both. And we I lay a soils map over there and figure out what which tillable land and woodland is classified as class one class two and class three soils. And the woodland is group one and group two soils. They're your prime agricultural soils for food and fiber production. So then we look at adjacency to other lands that are in land preservation. If it's a generational farm, if you live on the farm, if the farm has a homestead, if it's on a scenic byway, if you have a nutrient management plan, if you have a soil and water conservation plan, if you've been a century farm designated, if you're a repeat applicant, so they're awarded points for all these attributes of the farm. But the greatest weight is the soil types, the states Mission, uh, mission statement says that we want to preserve the best prime agricultural soil for production of food and fiber for the citizens of Maryland. So we're not going to buy a piece of land or not preserve a piece of land that has swamp on it or has, you know, an area next to the water that's not tillable. That's not eligible. It's prime agricultural soils. And then after they I go through that ranking process I put them in with the rest of the list so it's not first come first serve. Some people have been on my list almost 20 years waiting for funding because they may have a little marginal soils or they may not have a house there or they may not have anybody next to them that's in preservation. We do have very large blocks of preservation. We have an area from Ingleside all the way down to Queen Anne that's 6000 acres of contiguous land that's preserved. So to date um, with our deed restricted open space, our non contiguous open space, our transfer of development rights, rural legacy and mouth, we are at 85,000 acres of Ag zone property that's preserved permanently and we're roughly about 36% of the Ag land in the county is permanently preserved. There's no buying out. There's no getting out. There's no paying back. It's permanent. And this past year, um, past year's funding, they apply in June of each year to the state and the state tells us how many applicants we can take. This past year we were able to submit 15 applications. The previous year it was 10. Probably the five or six years prior to that it's been 10 applicants. So even though I've got these 120 farmers or property owners waiting, I can only submit 10 for funding.
13: And and they get to, so the farmers, but you buy the property from the farmer. No, no, no no, 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 no. No, no they,
31: we buy the, the development rights. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. They get how, pennies on the dollar.
13: How long can the farmer stay there till they forever? That
31: the, 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 they, the, the easement runs, food, runs with the land.
13: Does that transfer to their next to kin? It, it's a, it, it whoever, runs with whoever, the land. Yeah.
31: Whoever the owner is of the property that easement stays with that. Land. or non family. It, it will yes. always be a farm. It That's correct. Be used as a farm. Yes. And And if you don't give
8: Donna enough money to do this, she's going to be very (laughs) mad at you. (laughs) She leaves that part out. Jack
31: brought up a good point. We're paying on average about 50% of the appraised value. The landowner puts down a price that he wants to preserve the farm, and that's the second half of the weighted um, scoring. So the first round is based on quality of farm and all the attributes of the farm. Those applications get sent to the state. They get appraised. The state pays for the appraisals by two separate appraisers. When I get the appraisals back, then I look at that appraisal value per acre and compare it to the asking price of the farmer and the highest discount. So let's hypothetically say a a farm, just for easy figuring, appraises for $10,000 an acre and they've asked for $3,000 an acre. It's a 70% discount. That farm then pops to the top. Mm -hmm. So then we combine scores of discounted value along with quality Mm -hmm. of farm.
13: Do you see the irony here? You should be saying this in front of all those people who just left, because
8: they would, they they don't know,
13: they don't know, they don't know that
31: we're preserving all this
8: land. We we bring this up many, many meetings that we're blue in the face. We have maps that we've showed people to show. One came up today. Yeah, Yeah. and there are
31: farms on Kent island that are in preservation.
8: Yeah, Yeah. we look when when this past election
3: cycle I stood on top of a mountain and preached about it. Yeah, you know, just as my group of commissioners since I've been serving how much we've actually preserved. I mean, it's and it
31: doesn't cost the taxpayers anything. This is a self funded program. To win win. It is a win win because everybody likes to look at the farmland and A lot of the people probably were just here, doesn't know anything exists north of Centerville, (laughs) but it's an amazing part of the county, isn't it, Jack?
8: Absolutely it is. Wait a minute. Queen's County goes past the Narrows Bridge? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Chris. What did
31: that say? There's three other (laughs) districts. I didn't know (laughs) that. (laughs) How many acres have you got in your district? Over 50,000? 50,000 plus. There's 238,000 acres in this county. He's got 50,000 of it in District 1. And it's, and I, and I have actually, I'm going to put this in front of you. I have sent a proposal through a member of the transition team for the governor and I hope I hope that he will be at the um, taste of Maryland the agricultural dinner next Thursday night and if he does I'm going to corner him because I would love to get a tour for the new treasurer the new comptroller and the governor and the lieutenant governor and we're going to take a tour of these areas that are in preservation I want to show them where the money is going and where it's being spent the last time we did that we did it with Peter Franco, Nancy Kopp and Lieutenant Governor Steele and they were amazed at Land's End that the houses that were not on these waterfront properties. So it we need to showcase this. Right. It's agree. very important yep. and what better way than to show our state higher ups where their money is going and where it's being Pat,
3: invested. Patrick, you, you haven't heard the best part. We get another bite at the apple. So explain to in the second round, which is where we really make out.
31: So some counties don't participate because their land values are so high. Um, Anne Arundel County generally has maybe one application. Howard County does not participate. Montgomery County does not participate. Prince George's generally doesn't participate because
13: there's no more land there.
31: Well, the land values, the appraisal values are like 18 to $25,000 an acre. Sure. Here they're averaging $7,800 an acre. So it doesn't really justify to preserve land there when you're only getting four or five thousand dollars an acre for preservation when the land values are twenty thousand dollars. So when the when the state gets the initial pot of money this year it's 72 million dollars that 72 million dollars gets cut in half and when that gets cut in half each 23 counties get equal distribution of that 36 million. Then the remaining 36 million goes towards the matching funds program and for certified counties you have to meet certain criteria to be a certified <coughs> county 17 out of the 23 counties are certified we are one of them because we meet that criteria so we get even more of that money back so when after they make the initial allocation of funds like I say I'll probably get eight farms let's say we start out with the four point six million my number one ranked farm it takes nine hundred thousand then the next farm takes a million too. the next tar- farm takes three hundred thousand so we go all the way down until we run out of money Now there may be a little bit of money left over might be $100,000 might be 50,000 that gets sent back to the state and those counties that do not participate their initial allocation of $1.3 million gets sent back to the state and then what and that gets put into a pot of money and then the state looks at every county as a whole looking at their discounted values of asking price compared to appraisals. And because we are so low on our asking prices compared to appraisals which is about 50% we usually get more money and this past year we were able to get an additional $700,000 in second round offers so we got two additional farms so last year's investment we initially got the county put in 1,333,334 dollars our first round money was 3,946,906 dollars plus the extra 696000 that we got, we ended up with $5,200,906. $5, so every dollar that the county spent, we got $3.90 in return.
0: And we've done
3: better than that, too. That yeah. wasn't our best times. year, no. Yeah. Yeah. We had the one year where we got $6 million on the second round
31: because yeah. nobody. Yes, uh. yes. Now this coming year, <laughs> it's looking very promising. <laughs> you know, you just committed the $1.3 and there's a lot of counties that don't put in that kind of money I feel very very confident we'll break that six million dollar mark this year
8: I guess actually we uh, have to do that now for a second round that money well yeah. for well, the first round first and, first and second, second, second together. I got yes. a sidetrack we haven't voted on that now we got to vote to give her the money yeah. Yeah.
31: so I, I feel kept her busy but, the it's yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah. but there's a there, there's this program has a lot of fingers to it and a lot of different ways that you can get the funding if we can keep the funding consistent and there we have a great return on our money
4: question we, we, we talked about <clears throat> deputy directors you know because we the transition of folks moving out um, do you have you're working with somebody already sure,
31: No, work. actually uh, my supervisor Tony Ridgie will be coming in front of you at your last well, February meeting he's got the job descriptions written um, he's put in the request to, through human resources and I believe he's talked to you Todd. I know he's talked to somebody. I don't know. I don't handle that. <laughs> so um, he's putting in the request for that and he will be meeting with you at the end of February because I need help right now okay. because if I get $6 million. Oh, right and I just got a week. I, I, go I have I to go out. I have to go out and inspect these farms too every year. And I average about 65 farms that I have to inspect every year, which means I have to put my feet on the ground. And it's farms just,
0: that are in easements or yes. farms that are really- yes,
31: are we have 20 farms that have gotten federal funding. They have to be inspected every year. Mm. The other farms that are just regular funding, it's every third year. Mm-hmm. Plus our rural legacy farms, which we have, I don't even know how many, they have to be checked every year also.
4: Yes, that's the price you pay for being second in the state when it comes to land preservation yes. that's right
31: and every one of those have to have a soil and water conservation plan and they all have to have their nutrient management plan updated it's a lot of work well
4: Jim will make a commitment that we'll I, need help. Some help. <laughs> I need
31: help help I need help because I'm leaving in a few years I'm done
8: you're not allowed
31: to I'm leave done until we're <laughs> no you don't have <laughs> to say <laughs> like
8: that I'm done
31: I have been doing between my my federal job, <laughs> yeah my federal job and this I've been working 40 years I'm tired so I've been doing but you're not retired no so that's I not what I heard I heard tired. you're tired yes. not retired yes, so. yes. that man is in, sitting in the back he's planning on traveling with me so
4: <laughs> Donna thank you very much all for all the amazing work you do
3: you want to read the motion again Jack just as in the okay yes I moved all through oh no that's the wrong one here we go I moved to approve 354,900 agricultural transfer tax 165,470 470 and solar tax receipts 812,963 general fund transfer for a total of 1,333,333 dollars towards the mouth matching funds program and we already had yeah. a second we had the second
0: so all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. aye aye opposed so moved Spend it wisely.
31: If you have any questions for why
4: is
16: hold back it. <laughs> There's
13: nobody better. You know,
31: Nicole's you can... my, my partner in crime here. Oh, yeah.
13: Mm-hmm. Donna, right. why, yes. you, why don't you buy the land at the armor, at the armored uh, self-storage.
31: It's not actually ag- a farm. It's not eligible, not actually a land. town right.
13: center. <laughs> We're not going down that
31: rabbit hole. We with development rates on uh, ag farms. That's in a growth area. That's a different area.
1: That's right. <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right, don't leave yet. So uh, item 11, commissioners, uh, on page uh, 45 through 80 is a rural legacy deed of easement for the uh, Pappas farm, 170.2 acre property within the lands end rural legacy area. And this is the uh, deed of conservation easement.
3: I move that we approve and execute the rural legacy deed of easement for Gus Pappas. Second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye.
0: aye. Opposed? So moved.
31: That was zero county dollars in that yeah. easement acquisition, and you will have the next 217 acre property at your next meeting.
0: Very good. Okay. Very Thank good. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely.
31: Right. And right. Patrick, the offer is still there. If you would like to
0: learn more about land
31: preservation, you. I'd be more than happy to meet with you. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank, Thank you, much. You. you. You too. You can be Donna's new helper.
31: <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't work <warrant> you <laughs>
1: All right, commissioners. We have a few desk items here to cover and then we'll uh, be able to wrap up for the, this evening. Uh, first item is uh, desk item one. And this is a renewed, refreshed letter to Governor Moore uh, outlining the county's top budget priorities and, uh, and our requests for funding assistance in the governor's pending um, budget and h- any supplemental budgets that he may put forth in the coming weeks. And this is uh, identical to what we sent um, uh, Governor Hogan and also Governor Elect Moore. With our,
3: so you just need a motion questions. to send the letter. I move to execute the letter to Governor Moore, outlining the county's top priorities.
2: Second.
0: Motion second. Any discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor, signify
1: by saying aye. Aye.
0: aye. aye. Opposed? So moved.
1: All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Oh, um, oh go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, nope, desk nope. Desk Item Three is uh, an environmental policies letter. Uh, This is a draft letter that we would also be sending to the Moore transition team regarding environmental programs and priorities that we have in our jurisdiction, our county. This was requested uh, from Jay Falstead who is a member of the Moore administration's executive policy committee for climate and the environment and we had a Zoom call with him um, uh, last month and uh, so I think this is in line with what we had uh, prepared.
8: I move that we execute the letter to the Moore-Miller uh, Climate and Environmental Transition Team outlined in the county's environmental goals. Second.
0: Motion is second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All right. All right. Opposed? So moved by vote. All
1: right, Commissioners, desk item number four is budget amendment CC 47 for the Roads Division. Um, this is an uh, our director of, uh, excuse me, it's a tab number. It's a desk item, um, so it should be on your desktop here. I can give you a copy here. Got it. I got it. This is the big long budget amendment for the roads board. Cole Hepper here. Our director of budget and finance is here to answer so basically questions. There's the
4: storm tonight. So <laughs> this just puts. So this basically just puts us we in life easy. compliance because we're the roads board is technically a separate board.
1: Well it used to be, it was always a separate fund and our auditors I guess finally figured out that we shouldn't have combined the roads board with the general fund, it used to be separate all because of the highway user revenues coming in. When the highway user revenues went away or at least 95% of them, we put it together with general fund and. It, auditors were saying hey you really shouldn't do that it should be a separate fund and this kind of reverses that action that we did and it moves out of the general fund into
19: into a new fund that we're going to establish for roads operating Um, roads capital isn't affected at all we kept that's always been separate so it moves the budget authority out of the general fund into this new fund that we're going to set up the highway user revenue that we receive, some inspection fees, and then all of the expenditures, and then we will have to also add a transfer into the new fund, kind of like we do with some of the other agencies, so that the fund is balanced because there's not enough revenue to offset all of the expenditures. So that
3: has all been recognized. Yeah, right. 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 makes sense.
19: And then going into the next budget cycle. Um, we will have a separate roads fund that will be included in the budget. So we'll have to pull all of that out of the general fund. And I will have another budget amendment for FY23. We just wanted to get this one in tonight because we just got this comment last week, but we're trying to close out 22. So the timing was critical that we go ahead and get this budget amendment in so we can close out 22. So sometime in the next few weeks, I'll have another amendment for 23. And then in 24, we'll get it straight with the budget as a separate fund.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, now that makes sense. Okay. All
4: right, so I make a motion to approve budget amendment CC-47. Second. second.
0: Got a motion and a second, any discussion? Everybody understands, very well. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Bada bing. Good
19: job. Right. Thank you. All right. And you waited
0: this whole time for all that. <laughs> but you can't say it was a learning experience, right? I figured there might be
19: a question, so I was like, I'll stick around just in case. Oh, there's <laughs> thank
0: questions.
1: You. <laughs> thank you, Nicole. All right, thank you very much. All right, commissioners, uh, we had two discussion items. Uh, the first one was a request from our friends in Worcester County. They are seeking support uh, for enabling legislation in Annapolis that would um, grant Eastern Shore code home rule counties the authority to increase hotel room tax from five to a maximum of 6%. And again, this is enabling legislation.
3: Key word.
2: Enabling. I'll
1: mm-hmm.
3: we'll make a motion to write the letter of support. Second. And a motion and a second. Any discussion? Again, enabling for the Put, people for at the home. Back home what does that that mean? gives the autonomy to the county to make that decision, not the state. Correct. Very well. All
0: those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. 5-0. No one abstained, did they? No. Oh. no. He just said that. Oh. Yeah, I, right. said all I right. just wanted to throw it out there. He's getting That's tired. Right. <laughs> I want to make
1: sure you're still awake over there. Okay. <laughs>
23: all
1: right. Thank you, commissioners. And our last, our last item is uh, we received an email um, concerning the, the LEOPs program for our EMT and EMT1 positions. Currently, um, that program only applies to EMT two status and above, and paramedics. And uh, there is a um, there is a request out there, or a, a, a group that are going to put forth legislation in the General Assembly to allow <coughs> that uh, law to be changed at the state level, so that the Leop's program could be applied to EMT one and EMT positions across the state. Um, we have. Um, the ability to promote our EMTs up to the EM2 level which makes them eligible for LEOPS currently, uh, provided they get that training. So this is a state law that would allow that to be pushed down to a lower EMT uh, job classification. So if you need more information about that, I haven't seen the bill or anything on this one yet. So I don't
8: think it's been dropped yet. I, I, I haven't
1: seen it so. We'll uh,
8: get more after, from probably make a have a discussion on bill Not bills. this week but probably next yeah. week yeah they're figuring a lot of bills gonna get dropped we
3: haven't got all that <coughs> hashed out yeah we only had 18 I've, last night it was pretty slow yeah really yeah. yeah but they said <laughs> get ready it's the wave is coming. yeah next <laughs> week enjoy no. the wall it's yeah. coming Why? next week not so much So, we'll yeah. yeah. see
1: okay
0: very so, good all right round table that's it there ain't nobody here for press and public Well, Beth, be on the play the other side. Come on up and say something.
8: All right, let's go in reverse. Number four. Number four. Um, I'm sure uh, you guys who uh, spoke, who uh, served with uh, Commissioner Olds, might say something. But uh, send out condolences to uh, the family of uh, Commissioner Olds, who served uh, as a county commissioner from my district. Uh, Just uh, Commissioner Olds and Commissioner Anderson, and then and then myself. we all know how much work it takes to to be a, a county commissioner and um, it's a lot more than just sitting at these meetings a the lot we do so uh, thank him for his service to the county as well as his service to the united community's um, fire department you know we were at their uh, installation officers myself and commissioner dumanel the night before he passed and they were honoring him for 25 years i think right 25 he years. wasn't able to make it because he wasn't feeling well and obviously that was um true story right there um Plus, but a he was lot a of pg for, he was a pg fireman for 25 years right, too. right right so. uh, quite a commitment to uh to public service i think yeah. it's uh, commendable
4: that's it um so just to to add to uh, commissioner quakerino's comments about Dave Olds, mm-hmm. he was also uh, a coach a youth sports coach in the mm-hmm. community did that for years um So uh, I I wanted to make sure that got included. Uh, I had the opportunity to serve as a commissioner with Dave for four years and I will tell you he was diligent when it came to the expenditures of taxpayers' dollars. Um, We would have department heads come in front of us, Steve Shanley has it easy. (laughs) Dave Holtz was here, let me tell you something. (laughs) He was brutal (laughs) when it came to spending the taxpayers' dollars so you know certainly if you knew you were coming in front of the board back in 2011 to 14 and Margie can assess to that he was pretty tough on those department heads and you had to really justify the expenditure. Um, Again just to reiterate uh, we also did a proclamation for Ron Sarnecki who uh, was recognized um, and I want to thank staff Margie and and Scott Haas who helped contribute to it, Um, Billy Faust, uh, to this proclamation that we had an opportunity to read to Ron Sarnecki and and present him with some other gifts that that, uh, Margie provided for us. But the man, the history and the commitment that the guy uh, committed to the fire service over the years was amazing. Um, At one point he was uh, not just a battalion chief but he was the chief. Um, He served and traveled to support the um, Fallen Firefighters Foundation and the fundraising efforts to make sure that that foundation takes care of families and uh, whose, whose family members have, have died in, in the line of service. So um, and that that's always a great experience to be able to attend these things. And I will reiterate, and you'll hear from me again, these are volunteer fire companies. And if we had to go to a paid service, folks, uh, it, it's a very, very expensive process um, no doubt there would have to be uh, a tax increase in order to accommodate that so when these volunteer firehouses are having fundraising events whether they're having a spaghetti dinner or an oyster dinner or selling Christmas trees or whatever they're doing uh, try to find it um, a, a way to participate and help them out
0: that's all I have Very well.
13: so I piggyback on what you gents are talking about I went to uh, Church Churchill the week before, and Sudlersville, And I'm just kind of amazed at how many calls these folks are doing. Mm-hmm. They're in the hundreds in these small communities. And like Queenstown and Kent Island, half of them are motor vehicle accidents on, <coughs> uh, on the main highways. And their dedication is incredible. Uh, I, I, I didn't know anybody there, uh, really. I, I, I met uh, President uh, Chad and, and Chief Kurt, excuse me. And I sat at a table with folks I didn't know. And we're, we're, we're kind of lollygagging. And this one guy, he's also a paramedic in Cecil County. And he walked in on a homicide or excuse me, not a homicide, but a suicide where the woman took her own life with a, with a gun. And <laughs> this is just a young kid, you know? This guy, this, the, the, the paramedic is like 23 years old and he's got to see this stuff, you know? So it's, it's really quite moving. The second thing is, is this an appropriate time to talk about? Whatever you want.
0: This is whatever, this you, want. Is, this is whatever you want to talk about, son. About Brooklyn. If you want to talk about, yeah?
13: you can if you like so uh, as you know Commissioner Moran has been uh, very fervent about the drug coalition and um, uh, our kids and our adolescents and suicide prevention and all these things and uh, Chris and I talked at Mako and it was pretty much the same thing meaning we all were on the same page and I know you guys are too So Jim and I spoke at two weeks ago about, you know, we can probably find some land, we probably can find a building or make something of it. Our big issue is how can we find someone to manage a facility where kids can go to that are in crisis situations, whether it's suicidal ideations or whatever, anything that you can think of before they get to the Witsit Center, right? We wanna capture them before they get into the drugs and the alcohol and the violence. And honestly, we have nothing on the shore um, that anyone's <coughs> said that we have that can immediately help these kids in these crisis situations, other than Easton, e- the ER and um, Chestertown and Annapolis. So long story short, Uh, Jim and I were talking and uh, we've reached out to a place called Brook Lane and I know Jack's familiar with it and I know Todd's familiar with it. And they are willing to talk with um, Jim and I and Chris and Ronnie Fithian and Jackie Gregory (coughs) who are commissioners in the Upper Shore Regional Council. So we're setting up, I guess Todd's gonna have to do it, we're gonna set up a, a Zoom as an introduction so we can hear from their clinical experience what they need to manage a facility on the Eastern Shore. So lots to come and it's under Jim's leadership really that this has kinda of taken shape. So a lot, a lot, a lot to do and I think we need to go into this as what can we Upper shore, do for you, not what can you do for us? Because let's face it, you know, people have been trying for 20, 30 years to get something from a behavioral health onto the shore, and nope, shepherd Pratt doesn't really want to come, you know, so let's just see where this goes. Mm-hmm. So appreciate your leadership on that. Good. Anything else you want to talk? Oh, that's, plenty. You. <laughs> <You're good? Okay. laughs> that's plenty. good? Okay. That's plenty.
3: Big man. Well, I was going to do legislative stuff but yeah we're, we're going to wait till next week. You're going to wait till to, uh, to yeah. cl- the so cl- clouds move away. That's uh, some juicy stuff. Um, uh, but I do want to in the firefighter vein obviously condolences to the old family. But also uh, you know we always we cheer the firefighters but I just want this time I want to make a shout out to all their families because their families sacrificed uh, a, a great deal to be firefighters families um, knowing when they leave are they coming back, you know what I mean? So and we've had some line of duty deaths here in Queen Anne's County been pretty tragic. So shout out to all the families, as well as the firefighters, um, and that's it.
13: Okay. And it's Saturday, lineup is at one for, I guess it's, uh, uh, and they've asked for one unit per fire department to show up, and um, I hope we can make it as a... For, for Dave Olds? Yeah, yeah, for the funeral, and the funeral starts at two. At the at the firehouse.
0: Okay, um, well, I mean, uh, yeah, Phil served with Dave for four years. I served with him for just one year, but uh, you know, y- you didn't have to wait long to see what kind of person Dave Olds was. Uh, Dave will tell you what's on his mind, and believe me, he'll tell you what, everything that's on his mind. And he's not going to tell you what you want to hear. He would tell you what was on his mind. So and I always appreciated that about him so uh, he was he's true grit and, and uh, it's a shame and he will be missed uh, as far as Patrick what you're talking about uh, yeah we you know it, this is from the drug-free coalition and Patrick your, yours is more towards mental health and mine was uh, in the drug-free coalition so it's a good combination because those are both huge, huge items and really for the youth of uh, this county and the nice thing about it is is working in unison with uh, other counties, Kent County, Caroline County, possibly Talbot County, and treating a facility like we do Chesapeake College, and you know you know that's the model that you know we we don't run Chesapeake College, but we pay into it and they offer service to our citizens and and uh, you know we just need to start somewhere just start you know researching what it's going to take to have a facility that you know you don't want it for one county because there won't be enough work there. I hope there'll never be enough work there but uh, you know uh, moving forward with that so you know that that is something that uh, you know we're gonna have those conversations and we'll see where it leads us. Um, I
3: think it's gonna be honestly Jim not to jump in on that but I think it's gonna be the collaboration I think is a good model for a lot of other things we should be doing regionally where we oh, yeah. as individual counties take on by ourselves. and. Yeah sometimes we don't have the means or methods to do it. But as a group, it seems like we can get a lot more done. And this is a perfect example of where that's going to work, I think. So, and I will say
0: right now in the county, you know, uh, I've been following, uh, we have a um, an association and I, I, I knew I'd forget the name of it for the veterans uh, with Eric Johnson at the helm and Walt Petrie. And uh, they are, they are making huge strides towards a, uh, uh, you know uh, helping uh, county veterans and and with their uh, anything from hospitals to you know their mortgage to you know you name it any issue that they have and getting them in getting them help there and, and hats off to them I've missed unfortunately like four meetings in a row because it seems like every time they set something up I'm out of town or already committed so you know I'd I like to give them a big shout out and I wish them the best as they move forward um, With that, so I guess, you know, with that being said, uh,
4: I've
0: had, I've had enough got a motion to adjourn second. There we go. Thank you very much.